Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Say Things, episode 45, sponsored by absolutely everyone because our Patreon is now out, Cinderin. Sons fan here with Cinderin. Everyone will be a patron. Yes, every, I expect everyone to be a everyone. patron by the end of this episode. Uh, how's it going with you? We'll talk about our Patreon in a second, but Good. first, I need to hear about you and your life and your health through these difficult Shannon, times. Shannon, you won't believe this because I actually did show up a few minutes late today for the podcast. Sure I went did. to bed so early yesterday. I haven't gone to bed that early this year, maybe in half a year. Wow. I went to bed at like 10 p.m. and I usually go to bed at 2 or 3 a.m. because I got really tired at 6 while streaming. I like half fell asleep while watching a game. Wow. That's great. <laughs> so I'm, I missed some stuff. And then I was starting Sounds to feel like a, a bit sick, stream. so I was like, I should probably really go to bed and try to break my sickness on its way up. And I, wow. think, I think I did, but we'll have to wait and see for the next few days. Maybe that'll be a really exciting segment next week. Yes. So if you'd like this segment, died. you guys can pay us to never have it again. No, just kidding. Uh, what's the most you've slept in the last year? The most hours. amount of hours in one night. Yes. Today, I think. Which was how many? I probably slept a grand total of 11 hours, I think. That's the most. Which is a lot for me. Yeah, that is okay. a lot. I sleep seven to eight hours usually nowadays. So okay. Mine is probably 13 hours. I think I was really yeah, tired one day. That's pretty crazy. Just quite tired. I haven't yeah. slept 13 hours since I was, I don't know, in high school. And I did a LAN where I didn't sleep for like 36 <laughs> hours or something. Well, yeah, it's and usually like after 10, I pull an all-nighter or something. That's what yeah. I think it goes down. Yeah. Okay. Anywho, like we uh, talked about, our Patreon is out. It's patreon.com slash we say things. We can just go over the tiers and the ideology think, behind the Patreon. I think itself. I'll quickly explain what Patreon is because I'm sure some of our listeners sure. or viewers haven't heard about it or don't know it. Um, so basically, Patreon is a, it's a patron system where... You as a viewer or listener or supporter, whatever it is, you can go and you can choose to support us uh, by paying an amount per month. And then there's different tiers that you can use uh, depending on how much you want to contribute and what you want in return um, to yeah, to help us out, make this, uh, make this podcast and support us in whatever way you like or can or prefer or whatever it is. Um, this is the way for, for you to, to do that. So yeah, like Shannon said, the link is patreon.com slash we say things. And then I think we're going to, going to go over the tiers right now. Yeah, we'll go um, over the tiers and just keep in mind, I think the cool it. thing about this being tied to the podcast is we can kind of update this as time goes on, if we feel the need, um, yeah. uh, before we get started with the tiers, I should mention that if you scroll to the bottom of the Patreon page, you will see, uh, there's an about section of course, but. More importantly, there is a stretch goal that has already been reached, Cinderin. It required <laughs> one patron, and it activates something that everyone has been wanting, which is going to kill me, because it's going to take me the extra 15 minutes to do it, 
As long as one person is willing to support us, we will take the extra time to add timestamps to our VODs, which I've never actually done this, before, so I'm going to have to Google it, but I'm sure I This can do obviously it. only matters on the video part, because on audio, you, or can you add timestamps on audio? I, I'm under the impression that you can. I will oh, see tonight okay. once I upload, nice. so don't, awesome. you know, don't hold me to it. So, All right, would you like to take the first tier? We'll alternate. Uh, yeah, before I'm before we mention the tiers, I think it's important we mention that like all of this is obviously completely voluntary. Uh, if you guys have been enjoying the podcast so far and you do not wish or can't support, that's completely fine. It is fully voluntary, and all content will always be available to everybody. So we're not going to start putting any of the content behind a paywall. But what we've talked about, we might do is. If we reach th certain thresholds, we might make extra content for everybody, for example. But if you don't support, don't worry. It's not yeah. going to like we lock you out of content. That's really we important. We haven't really fleshed out that idea completely, obviously. I think that's something that we'll kind of yeah. just gauge as time goes on. But yep. it was actually really hard to do to think of stuff to do for the Patreon uh, because, we, like you said, we didn't want to do anything behind the paywall. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. If you guys can't afford it, don't worry about it. Just keep giving us those views, those sweet, sweet views. YouTube pays a great <laughs> amount. <laughs> All right. Uh, take the uh, take yeah. us away, okay. Cinder Man. So we've got four tiers, and they're all named after something stupid from the podcast. So the first one is the Cherry Tomato tier, which has to be the lowest tier because that is the most <laughs> stupid thing that you can't eat a cherry tomato without hating yourself. Yeah. Uh, which is a two dollars a month support that you guys can do for us, and it is it doesn't really it doesn't give any benefits. It's just a way of chipping in. Um, the text that we've written for it is you get forgiven for your ad block sins as for your other sins you're on your own so this is the That's lowest right. tier where it's a it's a bit of a like a tip jar basically if you will so and we should mention that the patreon is per month so whatever amounts you hear per yes. month so it's not again, per episode like per thinking month. of like coming up with the values we we tried our best we'll see what people think i mean the first reaction is a big deal so we're willing to listen to feedback of course Mm -hmm. But all in all, for a month, that's four episodes usually. So you can divide whatever amount that is by four. And that's what the real value is per episode if you want to look at it that way. Next yep. tier is $5, the contributor tier, a.k.a. the Kiwi with skin tier. What you get for this is your name on every episode during the intro and outro screen. Very simple, very concise. Uh, for audio listeners, nothing. It's just That's just for video, obviously. This Next. is a very, if you guys are into any sort of other content that does Patreon, this is a very classic thing that pretty much any Patreon uh, system will have with, it's basically like a written shout out, right? As a thank you for your support. So, uh, yep. Next up, now it gets a little more complicated. So then we have the sneak peek tier, which we call the former <laughs> CS Pro tier. Some idiot came up with that. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but you, you can take a guess. Which is for $10 a month, you obviously get all previous rewards always for any higher tier. And then the additional stuff you get is you get a sneak peek. So we have an outline for every episode. Uh, you get sneak peek access to our outline so you can monitor and see as we update what talking points we'll be talking about during the week. So you can be prepared for that if you think that's interesting to get that sneak peek access over everybody else. Uh, we'll have a private Discord channel where you can suggest and discuss topics uh, for the show directly to either of us or both. And then finally, we're going to start a new segment on the on the podcast now called the Mailbag Question Segment. And you can contribute to that one. And if you get chosen, you obviously get credit for your question. Um, so yeah, this one is with Discord integration. So you obviously need Discord to get the benefits from this. Um, 
but yeah, that's the that's the former CS Pro tier. And now, right. Shannon, you do the whale tier. Yeah, well, that that was—I don't even know if you mentioned the price. That one's ten dollars a month, by the way. I think I said that in the start. Okay, yeah. just in case Cinder didn't say yeah. it, ten dollars. Um, but yeah, like Cinder said, the outline is something that I update pretty much every anytime there's news that pops up that I need to remember to put on the podcast, I update it. So it's like an entire week thing process that uh, goes yeah. through into making that gradually change for the mailbag question segment. Since we haven't done it before, I feel like if there isn't any good question for the week, we're not going to do it. So it's kind of dependent on so questions. So it's on you guys garbage. to ask actual good questions. And yes. if you watch this podcast, you know we, we're we like really picky with what we talk about. It needs we're, to be really <laughs> good before we're going to talk about your question. If I'm we not... Okay. only talk about really good stuff. I actually would love help to, uh, for topics on like really crazy stuff, like meaning of life type deal, right? Just stuff mm. that isn't related to anything that we're talking about. I would love that. Uh, aliens. More aliens would be great. Mm, aliens. All right. The last tier, which, of course, if you've been following the podcast at all, you know what it's going to be called. It's the personal shout-out tier, a.k.a. the In Bruges tier, which Sindarin can never be a part of until he watches In Bruges. It's for $30. You get all the stuff that we already talked about. Plus, your name on the credits is bigger and golden, much more flashy. And you get a personal shout-out every single episode. We didn't really talk about this, but... I don't. Do you want to just scatter it throughout the episode? What did you have in mind for that, Cinderin? I think we we talked about either doing personal shoutouts in the beginning of the episode or in the beginning and end. I don't think we should <laughs> do one every fifth minute or whatever. After I, every I mean, topic, we're, we're like, "Thank you to this guy." <laughs> this topic is sponsored by. <laughs> oh, that's not bad. Yeah. That's a pretty good. I mean, idea. it's it's a possibility. Yeah. Uh, so jokingly, we were talking about calling this the whale tier. We're aware that this is way higher than the other ones. And this is just, you know, this is not what we're expecting many people, if if any, if few to do. Um, but yeah, if you if you really like the content, and you want to support an extra way. It's kind of like if you're familiar with Twitch, it's kind of like a tier three sub in a way. Uh, this is pretty similar to that where you're like a big subscriber or whatever uh, of the of the podcast. So if anyone chooses to do this, we're obviously really thankful for that. But yeah, the main part of of Patreon support is always in the lower tiers. And we hope that it's something that is you guys feel like the content is good enough to support or that the tiers themselves hold some sort of value. And as always, if you have any suggestions to make this stuff better, please go for it. But keep in mind that the goal of these tiers will always be to connect with the content we're already making. We don't want to make exclusive content that is not part of this. So if you guys have some sort of ideas that can contribute to the product we already have, we're very open to to include that in other tiers to make them more appealing. Uh, but these were the initial ideas we came up with at least. So, Yep. So, yeah, and we'll be that. evolving it over time. So thanks again yes. for all your uh, contributions, whether it's through the Patreon itself or by watching and supporting us that way. Uh, we appreciate all of it. All love, my friends. Okay, Sinner, let's All continue love. with... We have a couple topics before we get actually started with the game mm. section. Um, Blake Martinez, if you guys don't remember, was a guest a few weeks ago. Uh, something that he was kind of talking about during the episode was becoming a free agent and potentially signing with a team. Well, that has become official. We thought that you guys might be interested in just knowing that. Uh, he's no longer with the Green Bay Packers. He is now with the New York Giants as he agrees to a three-year, $30 million contract. So congratulations to Blake. Well-deserved, my friend. Probably, I would probably also sign with the New York Giants for $30 million, I think. 
Well, considering um, the cost of living in New York, cut that in half, Sindarin. After I would probably sign too. with the Giants for $15 million. <laughs> Okay. I would do it for $100,000 a year, New York Giants. Please, bring me and Blake back together. Mm. So congratulations to Blake. I know it was a long time coming for him. Um, but yeah, yep, good stuff. pretty awesome news. He did say on that episode, if you guys missed it, I was asking him to kind of like compare his free agency to Dota players. Mm. And he said that an inside his role, if you compare that to the mid-role, he considered himself one of the three best candidates. So... He felt like he had really high stock, and I think this... I mean, I'm not an expert, but this sounds like a pretty sweet deal. So I think he landed something really good here. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the question is how good the Giants is as a team, but that's a different story, uh, and how well he's going to fit in. But at least the contract itself sounds really good, right? Yep. So, I have no idea how good they good are. Good stuff. Congrats to Blake. The, the football. I barely watched the football this last <laughs> few years, uh, but we'll see him soon enough, I'm sure. All right, and then the last thing that we want to talk about, I need to cough. <laughs> Don't oh, worry. Very nice and subtle. Not, I love it. Always oh, very subtle. Mm, not no, sick, no. guys, I swear. Uh, for the We Save Charity uh, event, Cinder and I will be casting. Uh, of course, when I agreed to this with Cinder, and I didn't realize it would be right after the podcast, essentially. I have to sleep for five, six hours, so it's going to be pretty awesome for me. But it's for a good cause, of course. Um. They've been doing a lot of cool... I didn't realize they'd have people there in person doing studio, like paneling. Mm-hmm. Kyle is yeah. there and a couple other guys, which is really cool. And then everybody else is remote, of course. Um, the prize pool... So the way that it actually says it, Cinder, we've talked about this. Prize yeah. pool actually goes to charity. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. That's the way mm-hmm. I'm understanding it. Uh, so Cinder and I will be casting the best of five NA finals, which is between Crazy which is the old, what were they called? Panda something? Um, is it the fighting pandas that renamed? Yeah, was yeah it? without envy. I'm trying yeah. to remember because we've had some teams split now, so it's a little bit confusing. With, well, they like, lost re- a couple players, but yeah, it's them with Kezu, essentially, uh, versus yeah, EG. Pandas, yeah. So crazy versus EG, best of five at... Hold on a second. Are you kidding? They changed 20... the time? Oh, my God. It's now an hour earlier. Ugh. Okay, I'm getting four hours of sleep CET. now. So I'll be casting that. A best of five. <laughs> you sound like you're gonna die. So here's the thing. I here's the thing, Cinder. When we agreed to do this, like obviously you and I can't align in terms of schedules. Right. And you you talked to me about hey let's do because we were supposed to do one a few days ago. Okay, guys, the best of three, but Cinder couldn't make it, so I was like okay, let's do another one. So Cinder and picked. And not to my knowledge, of course, it's a best of five after five it hours. It also wasn't, to my knowledge, a best of five. Because it lie, changed. Right? <laughs> no. This became a best of five, I think, yesterday because they reached the, the donation goal yeah. of making it a best of five. That needed $180,000, and we're currently on 182822 So they Cinder, broke that tier. I'm so on a it's diet. A best of five, Shannon. I'm on a diet right now. I haven't drank a soda in over a week now. I, can't, really I don't know what I'm going to do to to get awake for this. I don't know. Somebody's gonna um, do you have caffeine me. pills? Actually, I think I do somewhere. That's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, then that's check. a solution. There you go. If I don't have any in the house, I'm not leaving the house for the next month. That's been my right. my thing, you know, social distancing and whatnot. So anyway, obviously for a really good cause, and I haven't cast in a while, especially with you, so that's going to be fun. It'll be fun. Um, EG versus Crazy, I'm sure there'll be... Some throwing both ways. It's going to be, you know, a fun show match, if nothing else. 
Worth mentioning, of course, is we're doing this NA finals, but there's all five regions being played. Well, all five. There's five regions being played. EU and CIS is considered one region, so that's mixed together. And then there's NA, SA, China, and uh, SEA. Yesterday, Secret played against Nigma in the Europe division, which had a really fun game one. Uh, I would recommend people check that out if they didn't see it. Outside of that, SA, I think Fury, I watched a little bit of Furia getting kind of run out. I don't want to spoil too many results in case you guys haven't watched the games. But yeah, the, the teams are and the patch in general seems to be very fighting focused. So Dota is pretty entertaining to watch right now, especially casually. This is, doesn't seem as deeply strategic and a lot more about fighting. Part of it might also be because, you know, it's for charity. The teams want to put on a good show and be entertaining. Uh, so this is a great way of watching your favorite players and supporting charity as well. If you... Mm-hmm. If you can chip into that, we'd definitely recommend it. So the proceeds, I believe it goes to, I don't know if they, they disclosed, right? It goes between CEPI and Global Giving, which are two of the funds that are helping out with uh, the coronavirus right now, with helping out people. So uh, really good stuff. And yeah, there, there will be games. We're reaching the final stage now. So whichever region you're in, whenever you listen to this, there's probably a game or two while you're awake and at home possibly uh, so you can find some sort of game to watch so you should try to check it out and uh and watch some of these games that's right and of course we play has been i mean if i had to pick one person to run something like this it'd probably be we play honestly they they've been stuff. really impressive this last year with Very organizing consistent. tournaments well yeah, i'd say they were good. impressive last year as well uh with artifact and underlords but nobody watched those games yeah. so that's kind True. of a problem you know. Oh, they've definitely made a big name for themselves in Dota within the last year. That's yep. what I'll say. For uh, sure. The Bukovel Miner. They're like on the short list of organi- organizers that will run bigger stuff next season, I'm pretty sure, based on what they've shown. So, All right, very Sidran. cool. Let's get started mm-hmm. with actual news. So, this came out about five hours after the episode, maybe even less, uh, was posted. But 7.25, we were asking in that episode, I believe, if the patch would come or not. Yep. And it came with a vengeance. So instead of doing an entire patch review, since there's a ton of them out there, I figured we just pick and choose things that we think are important or just interesting to talk about. So I'll yeah. start with the all-pick change, which is I'm loving it personally. So... All pick hero, or all pick hero picking has been reworked. It now has five rounds. Each round, radiant and dire pick one hero each at the same time, and the selections each time makes it hidden until the next round. If a duplicate pick occurs, the player who picked it second will be given some extra time to select another hero. I feel like you suggested this like six months ago. Is that possible, or am I thinking of somebody else? I suggested it for last pick. I think. I think oh, I suggested we okay. change all picks yeah. so that we keep the current format, but then instead of there being an overall last pick, we would have one, two, two, one, one, right? So both teams would have four picks with one, two, 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 one, one. And then the final picks would pick at the same time blindly. And if they pick the same hero, uh, it will be banned, I think was my suggestion or something like that. So something similar. Uh, oh, the, oh, that made extent. it more fun, actually, with the ban. That's true. I don't remember if that's exactly what it sounds like. That was what I was thinking back then. But yeah, this simultaneous picking is really good. It very much eliminates that last pick advantage, which has kind of been plaguing. The higher the level of the game is, the more that last pick plagues the game. But it's not only true there. It's also 
in the lower brackets, especially if it's a game with, let's say, a Smurf or um, even like in any bracket, honestly, last pick, some people just have a small hero pool that can be exceptionally good in the right game, like a last pick Meepo or last <clears throat> pick Huskar mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's just a broodmother. And it's just frustrating a lot of the time for the other team where they're like, oh, we didn't pick any counter. Now this guy has like a 70% chance of winning the game. And, you know, you don't really want that from a design perspective, in my opinion, to make games that lopsided based on a last pick. Outside of competitive Dota. Competitive Dota is a different beast. Um, I think oh, winning on draft is way more. They did. Uh, we can segue into that, actually. So Captain's Mode well, used to okay. have... Go ahead. Yeah, so Captain's Mode used to have three bands in the first phase, two in the second phase, and then one in the last phase. And now it has 4-1-1. One, one. So you have more bands in the start of the draft, but less bands to adjust in the second phase. And I think what this makes drafting do in Pro Dota is it's a lot more about profiling. Um, so you look at what the enemy team has star players on and what strategies they have great success with. And then you need to ban them early. And you get to adjust less alongside or during that second phase. So certain quote-unquote broken heroes will be way less picked because you get that extra ban in the first phase. But then a lot of the transition picks become available because now you can only ban one. So it's a lot harder to cover uh, any pick that you're aiming for in the second phase or any pick that you got in the first phase that you're banning for. Mm. Um, So... That's very interesting, actually, how that's going to affect Pro Dota. Um, I feel like... Cool change. I'm trying to remember. It's been so long now. Like, when Dota 2 was first introduced, and obviously Dota mm. 1 before that, What was, was it five bands, and then, or however many bands, and then nothing? It was like that for I a while, right? I think back at Maybe TI2, I think at TI2, each team had four bands, and then you just picked... And there were okay. no bands after the have first they, four bands. Have they ever I'm had sure. the four one one or a four one zero? No, okay. no, I don't think so. Because it I looks super familiar to me, but I mean, I don't maybe think we've had four one one before. I think we've had three one one before, maybe. And yeah, that's it's, why it's it looks hard to remember. Familiar. But it could be. Yeah. So but. overall, you like that change? Um. I mean, I'm kind of pulling tell, my, I think I think it's exciting. That's what I'll say. I think it's a it's a cool change up that really impacts competitive Dota a lot more than people might think. Obviously, mm-hmm. the most of the feedback this patch got, people are talking about, oh, my favorite hero, or oh, this cool item, or all this stuff. But like to me, the biggest changes of the patch, the biggest single one we haven't covered yet. I'll get to that in a second. But um, this one is definitely one of the ones for Pro Dota I that matters. Which the one most. you want to talk? Well, let let's discuss a couple other smaller ones before we get to what I know you ranted about on your stream because I was watching live and I was appalled <laughs> with your language. Just kidding. Oh, um, <laughs> oh no. Uh, in all pick, we should have mentioned they also reworked the way that banning works. So previously, half the voted heroes would get banned. And anytime yep. I banned Bloodseeker, it would not. That's coded in the game. That's actually a fact. Mm, now, each yes. ban has a 50% chance of, su- chance of succeeding. If there are less than 10 heroes banned, heroes will automatically roll for banning based on their ban rate at your MMR bracket. So, minimum, there will... all I mean, I guess it's the same number. There will always be 10 heroes rolling 50-50 for a ban. Uh, First of all, I love the idea of them changing it to be not just half of them. I like the individual. For some reason, it just feels like you have more power, even though it's still RNG. But Mm -hmm. using the heroes that are in your bracket... I'm thinking of like the pro scene right now. Isn't it just the same? Like, how do you practice these super broken heroes? 
as well a pro. you get them every second game right regardless so so they just get first picked i mean probably if it's that broken it's just like the thing about this is if you take a sample size let's say pro players play a lot of pubs right let's say over the course of 200 games then any single broken hero will be available in 100 of those games Hmm. Uh, but what you do is excuse me you flatten the you flatten the field quite a lot in the sense that by banning 10 heroes every game there will be more games that have many broken heroes banned which kind of encourages creativity right and experimentation so it's kind of like what a lot of pro players liked about random draft is that you get these new strategies or new heroes or different kinds of lineups and this is like a step in that direction in all pick where you're indirectly forcing people to expand their hero pools right Mm because there's just every game there's 10 heroes unavailable Uh, whereas in the past it was a maximum of five um so this this really matters a lot. I mean, have you had games uh, where I've had one or eight heroes were banned? Have you had any with like two or one? I haven't seen that yet. You mean in this patch? Yeah. It's always 10, no matter what. No, I, I thought it was 10 heroes are banned. Like 10 heroes are picked to roll. Is that not how it is? You're saying 10 so every heroes. Player ha- every player gets to ban, right? Yeah. And then you have a 50% chance that your hero gets banned. So let's say every player bans something. Then Okay. The most likely thing is five heroes will get banned. And then oh. it rolls for the remainder of the 10 heroes banned. But there will always be 10 bans. Interesting. So, huh. yeah, I was confused at first, too. I was okay. playing and I was like, wow, there's 10 heroes banned. Isn't that really unlikely? Um, it was like, did everybody just get a hero banned when they nominated? Like 50%? I was like, I was like oh, this is one to the power. Oh, yeah. That makes <laughs> you sense. Know? But, Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Um, I thought it was one in a thousand what happened, but it isn't. It happens every game. I can't so. believe this happened in my first game. So power <laughs> yeah, runes. I made it something uh, really exciting on my stream, and people were like, "You're a fucking dumbass." All right, I did it too. <laughs> yeah. I was not streaming well, though. Uh, power runes uh, initially spawn at four minutes instead of starting at two, which is obviously huge for the mid yeah, lane. That's big. And they no longer are double runes at forty minutes and beyond. So yeah. I mean, it just felt Big like a lot of games were extended. I don't know if you feel this way. At least when this was first implemented, it was like this. Where games just felt like once they got to the 40-minute mark, the team that is in control of the river area, which there's usually, it's not super mm-hmm. even all the time, they're just extending until a double damage or whatever rune they're looking for ends up spawning, then they can do the objective they want, whether that's a tower, yeah. whether that's a fight, whether that's Roshan. So I like this as well. I think what Dota has done in the last like two years gradually is make later game more and more ridiculous and i think they might have had to roll back a little bit here like double rune strong neutral items aegis cheese and agonim scepter on roche you know like the team with control would inevitably end up winning because they're like the amount of advantages just stack ridiculously in their favor so i'm happy to see a little bit of a rollback there Uh, i think the advantage from being ahead was too big um so that's that to me that's great uh, that's the double rune thing. As far as the mid lane goes, just having the the rune delayed to four minutes also changes a lot of um, how to say a lot of matchups that could be decided not really based on the player skill or the matchup itself strategically, but just who gets that first two minute rune. If it's a double damage, you're lucky. You can win the lane from it. It's something especially Sumail was very vocal about. Thinking was. I think he had a quote when the neutral items came out and everybody was up in like up in arms over man these are so broken. He said the most broken thing in Dota is the 2 minute rune. 
as a mid player's perspective. That was what he said at the time. Like if yep. you get a DD mid minute two, he thought that mattered more than what random items you would get in the jungle. So uh, I'm also super happy with that change. It does nerf an item like bottle a decent amount. Like now you can't get the two minute room with the bottle, but <clears throat> mid laners weren't really getting bottle anyway. They were getting stat items so that they could see us, right? So, they get like two nulls or whatever. Not that I disagree with any of that, but I feel like that has been replaced, that idea of snowball with what you're going to rant about a bit, I assume we're on the same page, where maybe it's in my head, but it feels like every game I'm losing my lane. I mean, I always lose my lane, Cinder. I'm so bad at laning, <laughs> okay? okay? <laughs> but like when it gets to mid and late game, I'm actually of my bracket, if not a little bit better, like divine-ish, okay? Mm -hmm. But laning stage, right. I'm legitimately 1.5k MMR. No joke. I'm like super That shit. is an exaggeration. But Anyway, regardless, I'm getting shit on in my lane. The guy's like two and a half levels up. I'm talking about bad. Gets ganked once. Mm. I'm ahead of him. The game, like, the, it feels like the laning stage doesn't matter anymore. You just gank the guy. All right, we're back in it. Whatever. doesn't matter anymore. Right. Uh, so, so here's tell us the about thing. this change. Right. So in the previous patch until 7.25, we had the the way kill gold, and this gets a little bit complicated here, guys, especially if you don't have any visual aids, which you don't because we don't give you that. So pay attention. I'll use my hands. <laughs> <laughs> so in the old patch, the way you got rewarded AOE gold when heroes got killed was a factor of how many heroes were killing the hero, what level they were, how far ahead or behind they were, how much net worth they had. Whereas now, the only thing that matters is how much net worth they have and how many heroes kill them. So the way you calculate AoE gold from a kill is infinitely simpler, which I'm a, I'm a fan of. I think the previous one was maybe a little bit too complex. I don't know if this one's a too simple, though. So the new formula, you get AoE <laughs> kill gold, you get 50 flat gold for killing a hero in AoE, plus their net worth times 0 0.03, so 3% of their net worth, meaning a 10,000 net worth hero gives 350 AoE gold. It gives 50 plus 3% of 10k, which is 300, divided by the number of heroes performing the kill. So if you have five heroes killing a hero with 10,000 net worth, you each get 70 of the AoE gold. Now that's the AoE component, which is very much simpler. Here's the tricky thing now, <clears throat> where we get into what I've been ranting about, and which I'm very passionate about this not being very good. Um, now hold on, before you get started... Can right. you be as angry as possible when you say this? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you, you look really happy and you're complaining. I need you to be very angry right no. now. Okay. No, man, I can't. I can't do that. I still need to get to TI. Um, so, okay. So the no, I don't think that's a problem. So the the sprees here is where it gets kind of insane. I'll be in angry for you. Okay. So I'll the kill streaks. When you kill someone, depending on what kill streak they have, you get a bonus. And that has always been the case throughout all of Dota history that I can remember. If you end someone's killing spree or if you end their dominating streak and so on and so forth, the stronger the streak, the more gold you get. That is fine. But the numbers have been bumped up heavily to a point now where getting a killing spree can genuinely be detrimental to your chance of winning the game, which is very counterintuitive in many ways. You want to try to strike that balance where getting a hero rolling and getting them a streak is good because that means they're getting rich and they're getting really strong in the game. But it's like that balance where you don't want that one death for them to cost so much. So here's an, a mathematical example. Let's say you're playing the numbers. Let's mention them. They've been bumped up. The lowest kill gold bounty streak went from 60 to 200. That is the killing spree bonus you get for killing a hero. It used to be 60. Now it's 200 on killing spree. Beyond Godlike used to be 480. Now that's 690. I'm assuming these streaks are more or less 
they're not fully linear in growth because that's not mathematically possible, but something close to linear, I think, on the way from killing spree to beyond godlike. And then the experience gain went from a, uh, a scale from 400 to 1800 to now 500 to 2040, <clears throat> where I would argue that the old 400 was even too high. And the thing about these streaks is that they are not sensitive to the time of the game. That's what's really important to understand here is that these are fixed numbers. They don't scale with game time. So, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to drink a bit, Shannon, because I need to keep talking. A All right, I'll just rage for you in the meantime. Fucking shit! God damn it! I hate it! <laughs> You're like the best sidekick ever. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So, so let me give you an example. You're playing a lane, um, and you're a Suns fan, so you're really bad in lane. And you get killed three times by the enemy fuck! carry. The okay. carry now has a killing spree. He's level six, you're level four. You're like, fuck, man, I'm losing my lane real hard. But fortunately for you, the carry got all the kills. So now he has a killing spree. So if you somehow manage to kill this guy, you will get a flat 500 experience and 200 gold. Mm -hmm. If anybody ganks your lane and you kill this carry, the amount of gold and experience you get can swing the balance so much that you went from losing on experience to being ahead. I had an example the other day, actually. I was playing Mars, and I had a, I think I had a killing spree or a dominating streak against a morphling. I was 1,000 net worth ahead. I checked the replay. I was 1,000 net worth up, one level up. I get ganked by their mid laner, and they kill me together, those two heroes. The Morphling now overtakes me in experience. He's still behind on net worth, obviously. He doesn't get 1,000 gold. But he goes from losing the lane to being strong enough to sustain and even win it against me from one kill. If I didn't have a killing spree, if I had two kills and got ganked, the Morph would have got so much less experience that I could come back to the lane and be even or even ahead. That's how much it mattered. So in that mm -hmm. moment, I was like, damn, I wish I didn't get these kills. I wish my support got them. And we're kind of getting to the point where the amount of experience and gold you get from these streaks is so ridiculous that I think in Pro Dota, I'm not joking, I think in Pro Dota, sometimes a player will get two kills and they will go suicide to a tower. I actually think that's where we're at right now. If they're starting to understand the impact this has on the game, a lot of the time dying is a good play. I don't like that design-wise. I don't like it, and I think there's a pretty oh, elegant solution to this that if isn't that happens, being used. Though, if that happens, they're just going to change it, right? Like, right, somebody but I think, you can, I think you can take it before it happens. Like You can, you can take right. the problem give me the, the way Give up. me the fix. Let the experience and gold scale with time instead of making them be fixed amounts. This 500 experience for a kill spree is insane minute 5, and it's almost nothing minute 50. You know what I mean? Hmm. So why should these be these flat amounts for these bonuses? Why can't it be scaling with time? So there's a flat bonus, and then it increases over time. And it doesn't need to be an extremely complicated formula, like the comeback factor, victim level, times, whatever differential we had before, which was super complicated. It could literally be something along the lines of killing spree gives 100 experience plus 10 times minutes passed in the game, or something like that. Nothing more than that. Then... Getting a killing spree early and getting killed doesn't, like, fuck your game up. And getting a killing spree late in the game and getting killed is suddenly more rewarding because now you killed a killing spree hero in the late game, which should, you know, arguably gradually matter more because it's later in the game. They should be more rewarding to break. Right. Uh, I think that's pretty elegant. I don't really see any big problem with it. Then my numbers <laughs> example might be bad, like maybe 100 is too low or 10 per minute is too low or whatever. But the idea 
of these sprees not being static numbers. I feel like the best word I can explain this with, it feels a bit archaic um, in the sense that this is like a leftover from Dota 1 when the game was played way more casually and the competitive scene wasn't like try, striving to be a very balanced and you know beautifully crafted game to the same extent. Mm. This, I think this XP bounty of 400 goes back to even before Dota 2. I, I don't think this number was changed in all of Dota 2's history until now. I want to say that. I'm not positive, but this 400 XP from Killing Street Spree is very old. And considering how a lot of other things in the game have been rescaled to scale with level or scale with time or whatever it is, uh, this XP bounty just seems a bit left over. And I'm focusing way more on the experience than the gold because I think it's way more important. Like getting 200 gold for a kill in the lane is 4 CS, right? It's like 5 CS maybe. 500 experience is multiple full creep waves. That's mm. a huge amount of experience. And it doesn't, like, it you doesn't correlate. You know what correlate. I think, Cinderin? It doesn't correspond to the goal. What do you think I think about this? I think you think it's great because it allows you to win games when you're losing your lane. That is absolutely correct. Today, as an example, on stream, <laughs> I played multiple games. Every single game that I got shit on in my mid lane, I won the game handily being the top net worth every game that i won the lane handily i got destroyed cinder and coincidence possibly i, I but don't i don't probably i don't really think necessarily that's a coincidence <laughs> and i don't like it man it, it's a it, small sample just size sound wrong to you it, I mean, it I makes life easier size, for me it, it deletes the laning stage which is my least favorite part of the game i wish i was talking about this on stream. i wish i could skip 10 minutes this is what happens let me be clear about it. this. I don't disagree with the idea of giving rewards for killing people that are ahead. I think if you removed this, it would be bad. Like, I think being killed as a guy on a streak should be rewarded. Of course, it's just the numbers are wrong. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem at all with the streaks being more valuable. The higher they are or the later in the game they are, it's just the, the relative impact early on is crazy. It's actually just crazy if you see how it impacts games. So and if it that's ends up what going down the road that you're talking about, where people are just going for the two kills and then giving kills to other. Like if you have to count kills, that's kind of annoying. That's not the greatest design. It's, it's just it's just weird, right? It sounds it is weird. weird. And in a way, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm almost certain I'm right. Like I just you look at this compared to the mathematics of the rest of the game, right? Dota is a game of numbers. You look at how much a creep is worth, how much a tower is worth, how much a hero is worth, and how much you know. Anything is worth in the game. Mm. And you quickly come to realize that if you're doing well in lane and you have two kills, getting that third kill and getting ganked is infinitely worse than just suiciding to the enemy. And if you remember, we had a time in Dota, that's pretty recent actually, it's like half a year ago, where heroes would spend all of their region and then they would suicide to the tower because the respawn time yep. and the punishment for suiciding to tower was super low. And that got changed because Valve thought, okay, that's not good gameplay. I think this is similar direction. Um, but I, I feel like even with the previous XP number, it was actually a potential issue, but people might not have realized, especially because the gold was so low. So it was like the, the, the impact was like debatable mm -hmm. if, if that was really crazy. Now I think it's inevitable that killing sprees and higher are a really big deal. Um, so I feel like the numbers will be retweaked. It will scale with time or, or you're going to see what I said where... Like, if you're the guy who's winning his lane and you're up 2-0, you might be better off just dying mm. to prevent yourself from getting a spree. Or you're specifically now, <laughs> how counterintuitive would that be? The carry is specifically trying to give the last hit to support on kills and lane 
what a three or what an 180 from what we've seen maybe that's for the, so many uh, years where the supports the try plan. to get kills to carry. Now I mean, supports maybe. will be the carries. Hmm? Maybe, Think but it's yeah, I'm not a fan. So but other yeah, things we'll we can quickly discuss. Um, drop rates for tier one neutral items have gone up. Mm-hmm. It's actually very yep. noticeable. Um, it could be placebo, of course. I want to talk about this one. Fountain attack damage increased by 25 to from 275 to 300. Can you give me a good... I'm not talking about a reason. A good reason mm-hmm. why this is not a thousand fucking damage, the fountain. Why does it need to be diveable? For the 0.1% of games where it matters for pro games, you know how many games people get stuck in the fountain and are fed for fountain farming? This has happened to me a few times, as you can tell. I once had a game, Cinderin, literally in the fountain for 25 minutes being farmed. That's fucking stupid. It should have multi-shot. It should crit. It's maybe like the Ursa passive where the more damage with each hit, that way you can dive real quick, get a kill, and come back out. Fucking buff the shit out of the fountain. Why does it only do 300 damage? That's nothing. Have you seen Mars go in? He can stand in there with almost no items and be fine. Jesus. What, H. what if the fountain had knockback? Yeah, that whatever. Anything. I'll take literally anything that isn't a 25 increase in damage. Maybe times 10, then I'll be okay with it. Anything, please. Fountain farming is the worst. And the only I, thing I've heard I from pro players... Agree. Fountain, fountain really? farming is terrible. Okay. Yeah, well, fountain yeah. farming is terrible, of course. It just it doesn't really happen in the games that I... I, I can't remember that I, ever happening. Of course in my not, games, because you're not no, dog shit at the game. I'm dog shit, and it happens to me sometimes, <laughs> okay? You guys need right, to cater but, to shitty players sometimes. That has to happen every now and then. Please, Ice Frog, for God's sake, you watch this podcast. I know it's evident based on your patch notes. <laughs> <laughs> I know you watch this. Ice I'm Frog, pleading you to see, you. Considering how much we're patching your game, did you see we have a, a Patreon tier for $30 a month? <laughs> That's right. We should make an Ice Frog tier. I forgot Ice about Frog that one. Tier. Mm-hmm. Yes. You get you pay you pay a thousand dollars a month, but you get to make one change in the patch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude! What would I change? Oh, dude, you could oh. sell Dota. We could sell Dota. <laughs> we get a percentage of all this. Ah, oh, oh, yes, yeah. sounds good. Anyway, yes. that's my rant. Uh, the fountain thing right. really triggers me. I I think there's literally zero. I, I point. find it I find it so fascinating that you care so much about the fountain and so little about the kill streak. That is actually <laughs> unbelievable. No, I. The thing that actually, you know, changes the game completely. Ah, who cares, man? It's fuck fountain farming. All right, because it's not that it's not noticeable, the, the changes. It's just, I want to, okay, let me put it this way. I have never, you can go on my account if you want to go on Dota buff, and I have like nine, maybe eight abandons throughout my entire Dota 2 career, and those are all disconnections. I have literally never abandoned a game on purpose, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like very... Uh, very good boy i'm very prideful about that okay getting in games where you're stuck in a fountain for 25 minutes do you know how frustrating that is that is literally the most frustrated you could possibly for me can possibly be playing dota it's literally worse than anything even like i think if i start getting fountain farming if i started getting fountain farmed i think i would tab out and i would start playing raid shadow legends Cinder, they don't sponsor this podcast. No, they don't. And I also don't play the game. <laughs> well, you could if they sponsor this podcast. <laughs> All right. I, I just want to hear one reason, again, a good reason why this should not be increased dramatically in some fashion. I don't know. It's it's honestly hard to give you a very solid argument against making the fountain stronger. I know. Um, 
I know in League of Legends, the I don't even know what it's called there, if it's called the fountain, but that has insane damage. You die within like one second of being in range of it. Right. It doesn't so need like to be that full, hardcore. It's like full protection. Okay, but what's your counter argument then? Why shouldn't it just one shot people? Because well, there has to be like a scale here. The reason if you think that, then you feel like the fountain has value. If I you think, don't think it should one-shot people, you think fountain diving no. should be possible for some reason. So what reason is that? Well, okay, so you're taking... Like, this is the only argument that I've heard from pro players why they like the fountain to be not ridiculously strong. Because hmm. if you're chasing a hero, like, it can be... Yeah, it can have dramatic endings where you're chasing a hero into the fountain, you get a kill just as you're getting hit by the fountain or whatever, then you need to back mm -hmm. away. That's how it should be. But especially with, like, Mars or Bristleback or whoever it may be, and if you have ridiculous farm... You can actually just sit in the fountain and it becomes miserable. So I, I understand the argument. What for, if the fountain just had break? It can, I mean, it could just do a percentage-based damage. That would be the easiest way to do it, wouldn't if it? If the only problem you have is Mars and Bristleback, give it break. Then I, I'm sure there's other heroes. It's go. not about the specific heroes. They amplify this, the situation to make it worse. It's about heroes that are just super farm because you're getting shit on. Mm -hmm. And they're diving the fountain and... Making you Percentage just wait for 30 damage minutes. also doesn't sound too bad. That's that's okay, I guess. So again, yeah. I can understand the aspect of, yeah, these 1% of games where that actually happens in pro games, it's exciting. But I'm sure you can come up with a solution that doesn't shit on everyone at my rank and lower that gets fountain farmed every once in a while. It's not like it happens break every or, time. Break or percentage-based damage sound or both, both sound like and multi shot. A really good solution. Do you know how fucking <laughs> annoying all these illusions that are really strong in the fountain, like PL? Like the fountain doesn't do shit. Multi shot, kill all of them. Insta kill illusions. Okay, anything, please. Ice frog. Okay, moving on. That's enough ranting for me. Uh, in other news, mm. uh, something that you and Gork were talking about: the ice armor <laughs> creep has been nerfed yeah. slightly, good. not that much. Yeah. It's uh, it's a decent amount. The slow from it is reduced from thirty to twenty five, and the armor is from six to five, which doesn't sound like that much. Still sounds pretty mm. freaking strong. Um, but illusion it matters. This is very cool. So bottling illusion when you use it, you shuffle, dispel, and dodge, similar to a manta. That's really cool. Not only if you bottle, also when you pick it up. Well, yeah, but it's so more like you have more more likely over. to be rolling. Yeah, yeah. It gives you a manta, and it's really interesting. This this gives a lot of it's pretty obvious the the counterplay potential illusion rune gets is very cool. I think illusion rune for the longest time has just widely been considered for the most part the worst rune in the game. Like there's like very specific heroes that it was good on, like Axe. Then you could cut waves with the illusion having counter helix or getting it on a radiance hero or getting it on anti mage with mana break. You know, it's like very specific heroes where it was good on because they in, inherently just had illusion benefits. But every other hero it wasn't great. Now there's a lot of value to having an illusion rune at any stage of the game because you get your own dispel. That is really valuable on any hero in Dota to have a dispel. You can remove a root. You can remove uh, silences. You can... The whole shuffle aspect of it, that it's not obvious which hero is real, which the other illusion rune is always obvious because you didn't reposition when you used it. Yep. And you can even dodge projectiles. So this is cool. I, I actually love this change. And I think... Yep, I'm not sure if it hasn't been suggested in the past. I've never thought about this. I've just never had the idea, but I think it's a super nice uh, addition to the game. I'm very not happy to, with that one. Not to hijack this show again, Cinderin, but going back mm. to the fountain, I have one more. Yeah, so uh, with Illusion Rune, you can dive the fountain. <laughs> yes, no, that's not what I was thinking. Uh, do you remember in Dota 1, 
when you could destroy the fountain. Yeah, you could frostbite it with Crystal Maiden. For some oh, I didn't know that. So you could, yeah. I mean, you can chronosphere the current fountain as well. Yeah. Uh, basically, what would happen, you go in with Omni Knight. This is what the strat was. Alchemist was super strong. He's a little bit different back then. You kill the fountain. They don't regen anymore. If you're going to leave fountain diving in the game, at least make it as god-awful as possible. Just make us... <laughs> like, I want to know that you don't give a shit about fountain diving. So have the fountain be destructible, okay? And then mm. when it grows back, it becomes strong. Uh, whatever. This is another tangent. Anyway, moving on, Cinderin. Uh, you and your so, fucking fountain. Who cares? Let's move on. You would care if you sucked at the game, okay? <laughs> um... So I'm going to scroll down the patch notes and anything that you or I find interesting, let's talk about. So the first thing that comes to mind for me, uh, well, first of all, is Bloodthorn. Requires a Hyperstone instead of Crystallis. Instead of 75 damage, it only gives 30. But instead of 30 attack speed, it gives 85. And obviously, since it doesn't build with a Crystallis, no longer has a passive critical strike chance. But of course, the critical yeah. strike is there when you use it. This is interesting. I kind of like it. Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, this is a way to, to nerf Crystallis in some ways, right? I think this item is it. largely just nerfed on almost any hero in the game. Um, There's got to be somebody. Most of the time, having an item like this, the reason it was so appealing was that it had damage and crit, and now you're mm -hmm. trading both aspects off for some attack speed. That is almost always a lot worse. Because now for Bloodthorn to be effective, you need to have a hero that has high damage so it can benefit from the attack speed. But what hero has high damage and wants the attack speed without having bought a damage item first, right? That's why Bloodthorn was so good, was that it was the damage item in itself. Um, well, maybe Bloodthorn is more now a super, like, fifth or sixth item as opposed yeah, to... Yeah. I mean, you could pick this up earlier I, I if you wanted see, on a lot of heroes. I don't see you buying Bloodthorn unless you want Orchid early. Like, that's why you buy this item. You buy it on heroes that want Orchid. In the past, you bought it on heroes that want damage. That's the right. big difference. Well, I think I'm fine. And with that, that really though. limits the item's use. That's okay. Like if you want, uh, it's if you want crit, different. if you want crit, you're getting Daedalus now. Daedalus is going to yes. be much more popular as a result of this change. Absolutely. And yeah. silence is a very, I mean, it's pretty fucking strong. But uh, right. In addition, some other things got changed. Uh, Battle Fury again. This is. Would you take the over under on eight over or under times Battle Fury has changed the compositions throughout Dota one and Dota two? This might be fucking double digits at this point. I literally can't remember how to build this item anymore if I have to think of it on the spot right now. Mm, it might be over eight, but I the changes aren't generally that big. It's like one component or a recipe got added and stuff like right. that, but it's been changed a lot. It definitely has. This is kind of back to almost a Dota 1 version. It's like a hybrid. In Dota 1, at one point, Battle Fury was made from Broadsword Broad and Claymore, Claymore and, and Perseverance. And now it's Broadsword Mithril Hammer and to Perseverance, and a recipe, and Quelling Blade. <laughs> right? uh, I, so. don't, I don't think, no, there's no recipe anymore. Oh, sorry, Quelling Blade. Yeah, no recipe, right? They removed the recipe. Yeah, correct. But we've also had iterations with recipe and Quelling Blade, and we've had iterations without recipe and with Quelling Blade. Yeah. So it's now we've to kind of... Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's been a lot at of the end of the day, like, what do you think the reason is for changing that? Mm, Battle Fury... I think it was just in an awkward spot where buying this item feels so unrewarding until it's completed, right? The components were really, like, they're not, they're just not good, right? The Demon Edge was very hard to get expensive, well. right? So if you break it down into smaller components, then your road to the Battle Fury is faster 
right? Beforehand, you needed to save up for a demon edge. Now you can buy the broadsword for a thousand gold, and this increases your farming speed on the way to Battle Fury because it gives you 16 damage that you didn't have before. Um, it makes you better in fights because now building the components for Battle Fury doesn't make you completely useless until you have the finished item. So I think this is a really good change and is actually a pretty big buff to the item just because your hero does more in the game on the path to the item compared to when it's completed. Um, there are similar, there are other items that have the same like curse. I think the number one standout item is Scythe of Vice, where the item completed is insanely good, but every component is so bad compared to what it costs, right? Like when you're buying a hex, you're waiting until it's finished. Mystic good. Staff is most heroes, it's not great. Like it's really expensive, but it doesn't do much on almost any hero. It's okay, but like, come on, you could spend that gold on buying any utility item. You could buy an aura or a force staff for the cost that you pay for a mystic staff. So it needs to, like I the payout needs to be really good. But that, that item really... is different because it's a late game item, right? Battle of Fear is an early game item. <clears throat> so it's okay to have items that are really expensive to build up when they are high payouts in late game. But having high build up payout early game items is really tricky to balance, I think. And this is this is pretty a pretty good way of solving it. I mean, I, I actually think you skipped the most important item change of all, by the way. But we'll have I skipped that. it? Like, oh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't mind the change itself. I just don't like the idea of going back and forth so many times that mm. people like me, I've been playing this game for over 15 years. I don't know how many years it's been actually at this point. Like, I, I can't remember anything anymore. Everything's jumbled in my fucking disgusting brain, Cinderin. But right. maybe that's but a me problem. If you go into the game, you're like, I want to buy Battle Fury. You shift queue it and then you see the components, True. right? It's True. not. It's not that bad. Were you going to talk about the, like Hedris and all that stuff? Town or Portal Orb? I oh, think Town course. Portal is the biggest yeah, yeah. change of the I whole I forgot match. about that one. In terms Why? of items, this is the single biggest change. Town Portal went from costing 50 to 90. And this, of course, prompted the immediate joke from the entire community that we're geniuses saying TP cost is going up because of Corona. Uh, very true. great joke. Um, I, Icefrog is known to put in some memes and patches with like plus one armor or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't think this is a meme at Corona. I, I'm, this isn't a I'm Corona joke, sure. are you sure? I'm pretty sure he wouldn't increase the cost by this much if it was meant to be a joke. It would go so from 50 to tell 55. Tell me, then. why was this change? Uh, like you, can, you can loop this in with the boots of travel change, but yeah, I, exactly, like from, they go hand in hand. From my point of view, I don't like this at all. It just feels really fucking bad now. And I understand mm. the aspect of split pushing was very easy to defend. But I feel like upping the cost of TP scroll doesn't really affect that with the boots of travel change. Yeah. But go ahead. So first of all, the boots of travel got changed. So you don't have two TPs anymore. Beforehand, when you have boots of travel, you could have the TP from boots of travel and the TP from town portal scroll. Now boots of travel instead gives a passive buff that lowers the cooldown of your town portal scroll to 40 seconds and allows it to target units. So basically you get the same benefits of old travels, but now it is tied to your Town Portal Scroll. And Town Portal Scroll also doesn't consume a charge. So when you have Boots of Travel, you don't need to buy TPs anymore. Which, passively, is a pretty big gold increase, right? If every Town Portal Scroll costs 40 extra travels, start, you know, it, it very quickly becomes a pretty economy-efficient item. They buffed the movement speed of it, but obviously they took away the aspect of the double TP, which was a huge part of the appeal, and was honestly pretty broken in high levels of Dota. Uh, I don't think in the lower levels that the Town Portal plus Boots of Travel was as broken because people don't play the map as well. They don't really understand the like the whole dynamic of pushing waves to the same extent and how it impacts the game. 
I am personally am super happy with this change because I think the TP plus boots of travel was just too good. Whether the TP scroll needed to cost 90, though, is a totally different story because you could have implemented this boots of travel change without changing town portal. Um, I think the reason town portal scroll is getting more expensive is two things. First of all, to incentivize people to buy boots of travel still. Like now there's still, there's like more of an economy advantage to them. So that, you know, incentivizes the item. And the other thing is town portals felt like such it was almost like they didn't cost actually in the game. It's a bit hard to explain how an item that costs 50 feels free, but it's because the like the cost benefit of using Town Portal was so insanely favored because it's so cheap. People were starting to Town Portal around the map. A player like Hector is like my pro player go-to for this. He would push out a wave, Town Portal to the opposite side of the map and start farming. He would TP to kill creeps in Pro Dota. Uh, which it's a high risk play because you don't have the TP to come to fights. But the fact that that felt worth it all the time mm. meant that the town portal was probably too cheap, right? You would literally just TP across them and you wouldn't even consider, oh, I used a TP scroll for cost. You would consider it for cooldown. That was what you cared about. Mm-hmm. Now the cost is starting to mount so that you need to be wiser about how you move around the map, how you TP to help people, how you TP to farm, how you TP to fight. I like that aspect. I just feel like this price increase is really drastic. I don't think, I think it needed to be. Yeah. I think it it's, could have gone from 50 really to bad. 70 first sure. or something. Or just, just stay at 50. 90 yeah. is fucking expensive for supports. This, this is a the, big deal. This makes Trusty Shovel god tier, though. I will say and that. It's, yeah, it's the best neutral item in the game now, hands down. Trusty Shovel has a chance of digging up two TP scrolls. Uh, it's my favorite item to get in the game, I think, Wait, when I play right what now. What do you mean, two TP scrolls? It's a bundle of two. Is it? I didn't yeah, know Yeah, it digs up one bounty, one salve, or two TPs, oh. or a kobold. When the hell did they change that? I must have missed I those. think it was always two, wasn't it? Okay. I think it was a bundle of two. And I thought maybe with this that they would nerf it to actually only dig up one. I think no they should have No wonder I ended that. up with double-digit TPs today. Okay, well, there you go. It still digs up two, right? Oh, it, it used to be three. Chat is saying it used to be three. Now it's two. I okay. have no recollection. It was three in okay. the start. Holy shit. I think I blocked okay, well, the first patch out of my memory just because I was yeah. not too happy with it. Um, we don't need to go uh, over a ton of this of that, stuff. We can skip yeah, a little bit. We can very quickly do Headdress, Buckler, and Bassy because they were okay. bought in almost every game and they still are very popular. They removed mm-hmm. the three all stats part of these items and then they made the aura slightly better. So Headdress gives a bit more region. Bassy gives a bit more region, and Buckler gives a bit more armor, but all of them lost three all stats, and then they are cheaper. Um, I think Headdress is probably overpowered right now, still. And maybe Buckler is too, uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, almost every game that I play, minimum one lane starts with a Headdress. Sometimes both sides start with a Headdress, just because you get 2.5 region per player in the lane nonstop. For 375 gold, I think it is. Um, that is insane. Okay. Cheap. Do you think it would be no, as good if you really could good. not upgrade it into anything? If it was a standalone? I think people would buy it anyway. Okay. Yeah. Which, you know, in itself. So, I mean, it's fine to have small items that are really good like that, like Bracer, right? It's okay that there is an item that's crazy value. It's just this one is probably a bit too much on the upside right now. And I think it was a buff, honestly. Removing the three all stats, yeah, it kind of sucks for the hero that carries it. But you give more region to your carry in lane now as the support. So for the carry, it's actually even better now that the support buys this. And the fact that it's cheaper, 
by 75 gold means you can buy additional region. You can start with a headdress and six tangos as a position five right now. Uh, you make your carry's life very easy a lot of the time. Mm. Yeah, it's just really, really bonkers. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll get nerfed. Uh, another thing that was changed, nullifier is completely different now. Oh, yeah. No longer mutes enemies, so you can't... Which makes me really sad. I love the idea of having Orchid and Nullifier and just dooming somebody. God, that's so satisfying. Instead, Dude, you now have really weird priorities in this game. <laughs> like, how is that not dumb? It's so fun because I play um, heroes that can pick them up, and it's fun to use. I mean, I, honestly, I never really hated Nullifier, and I was like, this item has to be reworked. I didn't suggest any changes to this item personally, but like when you think about it, <laughs> that item combo was kind of just. It was a bit yeah, it's, stupid, right? It, sure, it's stupid, but I loved it. Uh, it counts a lot continue, of other things now. So. Will you let me read it for people that haven't read it yet? Okay. Sandra? For God's sake. No okay. longer mutes enemies. Now continue, to continuously dispels the target. The duration has been nerfed from six to five. Slow has been reduced a bit, etc., etc. Damage increased by 15. Cast range increased by 300. So it no longer mutes items, mm-hmm. but it's like a... My understanding, I haven't really... I tried it barely today. The game ended shortly after, but it's like a Shadow Demon ult almost, right? Yeah. Other than piercing BKB. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the first thing you think of when dispelling an enemy? Like, what um, is it taking off that's important? Any self-buffs they have. So here are like Ursa can't use Overpower, right? Mm-hmm. Um, here are like Lich can't use Ice Armor on himself or Frost Shield. Um, now that Force Staff is dispellable... You can't force staff people either that are nullified. That is big in Pro Dota. Oh, um, I didn't think about that one. Force okay. staff is a really strong item in, okay. in professional Dota. Um, so nullifying somebody effectively, the way you counter nullifier is Lotus Orb now. It can be removed with Lotus. And um, you can obviously cast it on yourself because your inventory isn't muted. So that's the way you solve nullifier, I think. Uh, it makes Lotus Orb a lot more appealing. Also, a um, buff to BKB again. Right? Yeah, it it makes BKB better against it as well, right? Because you can remove it. I what I like about the nullifier now is compared to before, it feels like the item itself is like it's more about the item than the active. If that makes sense, like a lot of items in the game are true. A lot about the active and very little about the stats. And nullifier. Like, the stats were just weird, right? You got a little bit of armor and a lot of damage, and then you got that active. But the buildup and the people that would buy this, it was really weird. Like, almost no heroes want this item for the stats. They wanted it for the active, right? You would buy this on maybe PA for the stats because the damage is insane for the crit, or you would buy it on Juggernaut because he has a building crit. And then the rest was literally just Orchid Nullifier, right? That was every other purchase was Orchid Nullifier. True. Um, now that the stats are better, it feels like an item that actually has value to purchase because the attributes are good. You get 8 armor and 80 damage for the same cost. That's a really big increase. So it feels more valuable without the active being ready and without it being used. I mean, the reason uh, I brought up the BKB is because stuff. in my level of play, the only time I'm buying Nullifier is to use it on somebody that has BKB to prevent them from right. using it. Yeah. Um, which, again, very sad. Does it, do you think they're going to put, put in another item that mutes then? In the future, the prepping for after TI, mm, you think I don't just the think whole so. idea they don't like? Not for now. I don't think you put in a mute item for now. Um, if you do, I don't. I don't know what you would do it with. That's the, the. I don't. I don't know what you would mute with. I mean, indirectly, you could argue that hex has mute, right? Yeah, true. 
so Scythe of Ice is kind of the mute that you have. You go oh. hex, you go hex nullifier or hex orchid instead of orchid nullifier, uh, and then you play it that way. But so yeah. moving on to heroes, is there any hero that you wanted to talk about? Because there's going to be a segment right after this where we rate the Aghanim Scepter changes. Mm, I'm trying to think of what the biggest hero change so far was. Uh, Gyro got buffed quite a lot. He was having an atrocious win rate, so he's he's doing a lot better. Night Stalker got some love, which is cool. Uh, then mainly the Ags, and I think there's one more hero. Ursa got buffed a lot too, he's and then nerfed again in 7.25. Yeah, but he's still a lot. <laughs> he's still a lot better than before that, though. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I think the single spell I want to point out that I've seen be really crazy is Darkseer Surge is different. Um, Surge used to be 70% move speed. Now it's a flat 250. And the reason that matters so much is that that interacts with your own items now. So a lot of move speed items give percentage move speed. And that means they also get a percentage of Surge on top. If you're surging an Ursa who has phase boots, he gets over 700 move speed, I think, when he activates his phase boots. He is really fucking fast. Uh, so Darkseer with any hero with percentage-based move speed steroids gets quick. And then I think this, I don't know, together with Spirit Breaker, I haven't tested this. Because Spirit Breaker gets a lot flat, right? That's why that mm. combo was crazy with percentage. He might be, th- that combo might be worse, but then every other combo is better. Um, oh, no, but yeah, not the some Darkseer, heroes are really fucking Spirit fast Breaker combo. Surge. Oh, no. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about the Ags. Um, I've left mm-hmm. this to the ones that are like completely different for the most part. Um Bounty Hunter is the first one. His so we're going to rate Aghanim, them from like 1 to 10, right? Like We'll talk about our criteria. Uh, okay. So Bounty Hunter, the old Aghanim Scepter was based on Shiri Kintas. It would bounce back and forth. It would basically bounce twice to every target uh, that is um, tracked. Now, completely different. Now applies Janata to Shiri Kintas, increases the cast range of Shiri Kintas from uh, to 650, and lowers the cooldown to 6. Um, and of course, the Janata's are not based off of whether your Janata is on or off cooldown. It doesn't use your actual Janata. So mm-hmm. you can get a double hit, and like literally every target will get hit by Janata, is what I'm trying to say. And it does stack right. with the talents that were slightly nerfed this last patch. The 65 extra damage at 15 for the Shuriken Toss, and 65 gold for Janata at 20. So yeah. let's rate this. We're going to use my original Aghanim's uh, tier list rating system. So you get this item for free. How good is mm-hmm. it? One to ten. Five is average. Okay. Let's first of all make sure that we understand the spell in the same way. So if you're tracked and you get hit by a shuriken, you take 160 extra damage and you lose 36 gold. Right? Yes. Because it works Without exactly like Janata. So if you have a whole team tracked, you steal gold from everybody by throwing a shuriken and you deal yes. a lot of damage. That's what it does. Good. Okay. Uh, you get it for free. How good is it? I don't know. I feel like this item is a bit overhyped. I know a lot of people love it right now, but it's so fucking good. I don't know. If you get it for free, a six, maybe. I'm gonna say eight. Very okay. good agon episode. And this is why I'm gonna say it's a good ag. And you can tell me if I'm wrong. So the thing I love about bounty is he can be played like one through four. Maybe not as common as it was like six months ago, but you can play in pretty much any position. This mm. build with Aghanims, I think, is a position three. It's like a utility bounty where you're building, or even a four, where you're building like Greaves, you know, like support. You're not going like for right click. 
Aghanims is so, super strong. So if what's your logic? Like you item. get the Aghanims in order to farm up utility items with the extra gold you get from Jinato? No, you just... or So once you get to a certain point of the game, let's say you have like two utility items, and then you get the Aghanim Scepter. Then it's your next item. Then you become a carry because you're getting a shit ton of money once you're at that point. It's like level 20, right? You're getting the extra gold. Okay. And you're applying Jinata to every target. They're losing gold. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it. I right. it, you might be right that it's overhyped. I think it's super cool, and I love it, okay? And I'm biased because I love Bounty Hunter. Okay, yeah. I, I'm a bit unsure. I've seen people rush this, and I always... Eh. Like, you know, my, my eh. number one thing that I always say when we talk about these agonyms, I think it's a really good way of cri- being like self-critical when you purchase items. Think about what could I buy instead, not just like how good is this in itself, Think about yeah. 4K gold. What can I get? Oh, that's you true. You could get pipe plus half a force staff if you're a utility build. Or you could get uh, almost greaves. You could get a lotus orb, a full lotus orb at the same cost. What is going to impact the game more? And it will vary. Like It's not always one or the other. It's just a lot of people just mindlessly buy an item because they're like, oh, it's 4200 and it's really fucking cool. What are you trying but to say, Sandra? Oh. This is not always the best choice is what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying there to say no is way this you is always the best play choice. this when you're doing utility slash or when you're off lane or mm-hmm. support and you align right. it with your level 20. You don't buy this yes. first. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, I've just okay. seen people do that, even in yes. very high bracket. Well, buying you know, they're just experimenting. That's I'm fine. Everybody sure. needs to experiment yeah. a little bit in their life. I'm not sold. Dazzle. Old Aghanim Scepter was a shadow wave. I think it did more damage and dispelled. It now, dispelled, yeah. when you cast an ability, you automatically launch an attack on eight enemy units up to 800 units away. And the level 10 talent, since it's obviously synergistic, was reduced from 75 damage to 60 damage for for Dazzle. 1 to 10. Mm. How good? How bad? Eight. I'm going to agree. But I think it's only for core Dazzle. Am I wrong? Yes, of course. Absolutely. Okay. You don't buy this on support ever. So There's this no is point. like... Like okay. mid is mid the only way you can play core dazzle? That's the only time I've three seen da- it. Three dazzle is good. Offline okay. is good. Sure, for sure. All right, well, it's another one of those. On you might actually buy this item first when you want it, just because your level ten talent is extremely impactful when you get it. Yeah, right, you get exactly. sixty damage for free on level ten. So if you get a fast ags, your damage output in team fights. You have multiple spells that are pretty low cooldown. So shadow wave is eight seconds, and poison touch is eighteen, and grave is eighteen before the bad juju reduction. So. Mm-hmm. At the time you get this axe, let's say you're level 12, you will have bad juju level 2, which is a 38% cooldown reduction, making your shadow wave less than 6 cooldown and making your poison touch around like 12 or something. That's a really big damage increase in fights. I think this item is pretty cool. Uh, I'm not sure if you buy it first, though. It might still be something where you like take a, a slightly different approach with like the buildup. But supposedly, from what I can see as well, you automatically launch an attack. This should synergize with orb effects, too. Like, if you have the orb of destruction, everybody gets orbed when you cast a spell. That's also really strong. Isn't orb garbage now? That was horribly nerfed. Orb of destruction? I think it's still really good. Oh, orb of destruction. Sorry, sorry. I thought orb of venom. I was thinking. Right. Orb of venom is still good, too, on some heroes. Uh, Okay, next. uh, We need to flip-flop, by the way, so I don't copy off of you. Juggernaut. Okay. Rework Scepter. It used to... Wait, don't tell me. I mean, didn't it... It just used to increase the slash time. Isn't that it? And lower the cooldown. And lower the cooldown. Is that the same... Didn't they change it since then? Since now? 
don't think huh. so. Okay. I feel like, yeah, I guess not. Um, it now grants Swift Slash, performs a mini Omni Slash that lasts 0.8 seconds, cast range 650, cooldown 15, mana cost 100. I've tried this a few times, and I genuinely cannot tell if it's good. I think it's good. I'm going to give it a 7. <laughs> okay. But it's like a third item, at least third item, maybe fourth. But- so you said we had multiple criteria, and then it was you get it for free. What was the other criterion? What do you mean? Are we oh, only yeah. rating it on that criterion? You get it for free? No, no, no. You get it for free. I'm just based, I'm, I'm just mentioning my games. No, you said the criteria that we're rating the item by. Then you said the first criterion is you get it for free. How good is it? Is that the only thing we're rating these on? I can't you remember. Get it for free. I have to go on sunsfan.gg <laughs> and check out my... <laughs> I don't remember my own criteria at this point. All right, whatever. It's fine. Because uh, to me, it makes a huge difference whether I get this for free or not. I wouldn't buy this item. Okay, I just wouldn't. But if well, I get can, it for free, yeah. it, it's pretty decent. Like, All right. So you would never buy this item? You don't think it would ever be good on Jug? Sixth, maybe. Sixth. It's one of those sixth items, yeah, or something like that. Because like maybe really specific games where there's some amazing outplay potential with the dodging aspect of it, like uh, avoiding certain spells or. Uh, ulties like imagine you're playing against Tidehunter and you have the foresight to dodge Ravage for example or whatever it is you know like this kind of mm-hmm. idea uh, but you already have Blade Fury for stuff like that so uh, I think I it's know. better than you're saying honestly I think I think it's it, it gets better the later the game is because right. then yeah, your scales. damage is crazier right but I think so, the cool thing about it is especially in the earlier cooldowns of Omni Slash you can use it to kill a support and if you kill them in that slash, they won't even know if you use your Omni slash. That's another little mind game you can play. But oh, is it the exact same sound and animation too? I haven't seen it in game. Yeah, it. I mean, so. to my eyes, it looks exactly the same. Okay. Um, it seems pretty. I mean, you need items first, obviously. But the I, I cast range like is a pretty good aspect that I didn't think about. Six fifty is long. I don't know what Omni slash is. Like three hundred, I think. I mean, if you get like a mask of madness so. and use it during it. I mean, it's only 0.8 seconds. Maybe that doesn't Yeah, then you can't ulti after. (laughs) Silence yourself. You can double ulti, whatever. Okay, so Mars, this is your hero. I didn't Uh, even rate it, Shannon, but that's cool. I mean, I don't have to give it a score if you don't. No, I didn't rate it yet. You said you would never buy it, so I stopped listening after that. (laughs) Yeah. All right, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. Let's say a five, because I'm really uncertain, honestly. Okay. I'm a little uncertain as well. Yeah. Uh, Mars, God's Rebuke. Scepter now always lowers the cooldown rather than just during Arena of Blood. And the Scepter cooldown, instead of 1.4 during the Arena, is now 3.5 always. So, you remember we discussed this Aghanim Scepter, and I hated Mm -hmm. it. I never liked it. I don't like Ags that only work during certain periods of time. I feel like you don't Mm -hmm. get your money's worth. If you get stunned or something, then why did I buy this Ags? It's a waste of money most of the time. It was really fucking good before. Yeah, you you keep saying that. It was good. I like this Ags way more than before. How about you? As in you think it's better or you prefer it? I think it's better. I mean, it's you more consistent. Okay. Of course. Yeah, I think it's way Absolutely, better. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think this item is really good too. Just because it actually makes you a crazy wave pusher too. I think that's an underrated aspect of this. People will just think about how can I use this in fights? Like, yeah, you're weaker relative during arena, but in extended fights, you're way stronger because you always have God's Rebuke for fights. Um, you'll have multiple during extended fights. And when it comes to split pushing the map, you just have this ready all the time. Mm. You can just go and push waves uh, with God's Rebuke all the time. So I think the main issue Mars runs into with this is mana. 
So you probably, if you want to go Ags as part of your build and you want to use this very effectively, you need a Soul Ring. You probably need another way of getting mana to like a Vlad's Aura or something. But then you can probably sustain this a lot of the time. I might try to experiment with this build where I go Rebuke because I think people still underestimate how much this spell does. I think most people just focus on, okay, it does damage and it has a little knockback. It has a strong slow too. It's a it's a forty percent slow for two seconds, right? On a three point five second cooldown, you can chain slows in fights nonstop, basically, along with knocking them back. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty decent. Actually. Give me that rating, son. Maybe yeah, I'll give it. I'll give this a nine. I think I gave the old one a nine as well, probably or something like. that. I'm going to say seven. It's, it's really good. It's really good. Seven. Okay. It's good. Not great. It's good. Mm. Okay. okay. You got a problem with that? Yep. Can, no, you, can no, I ask okay. you a question? Why was Pudge, mm-hmm. as I'm scrolling down and going to the next Aghanim Scepter, Pudge is Flesh Heap. Back to Magic Resist. No more regen. This makes me really sad. Why? Why have they done this? His armor is increased by one, but why, Cinderin? Doesn't this make it him objectively him, just worse? It makes him better in mid-late game and worse yeah, in early game, right? This laning stage is it was God tier. Love this him. hero is not good. I know. It, Stop rehashing old it. skills. This was a skill I love two years Pudge, ago. Okay, I act, I play a mean Pudge, Shannon. I know you won't believe this. I know you don't because I've heard about your win rate. But um, <laughs> I love Pudge, and I played the hell out of this as a four when it was good. I was having so much fun playing it as a four, and then they nerfed it quite a lot. And I just it's just hard to use right now as a four. So until he either gets more presence in the laning stage without just the region, the problem is he just inherently has some absolutely fucking awful matchups that he can't play. Like, you can't play against Slark. It's just not possible. Like, if Slark is any good, you get fucked. You can't play against a hero like Timbersaw. You can't play against a hero like Slardar. There's like these... There's plenty of side lane heroes that just ruin you completely. And if you don't have a laning stage for this hero, you don't have a game. Like, he doesn't really do anything as a core without any farm. And as a support, you don't contribute enough because you need a couple of levels before you're really strong. So maybe you can do some... like What you basically need to do with Pudge nowadays is to cut waves. You need to pull creeps so that you can find a level 3 and then start Boring. doing something as a support. Boring. But that's that's what you got to do, really. I think. Hate it. It's just it's not that strong right now. But okay. Snapfire. Got an Aghanim Scepter. We, we guessed mm. what they could be for Void Spirit and Snapfire. We, we were, were horribly wrong, wrong with... on both. Well... Yeah. I'm trying to remember what my Void Spirit... I don't think it was super far off, but uh, it, it kind of was. But in some... We'll get to that. Snapfire. Uh, added Aghanim Scepter, Gobble Up ability. Allows you to swallow an allied creep or hero and spit it towards enemies, stunning enemies in the area for 1.5 seconds and leaving a glob on the floor, dealing 100 damage per second for 3 seconds. Units can stay in his belly up to 3 seconds. Impact radius 400. Cooldown 40 seconds. Cast range. Why does it say cast range? One, oh, cast range to eat someone is 150, so relatively low. Yeah. The When you throw them, it's over a screen's length. It's fucking ginormous. I think this is a 10 in both my criteria of giving it for free and in real time when I think Snapfire is just buy this now. This is uh, somewhat it's dependent really on what heroes good. you have. This is fucking amazing. This might be this is probably like a top 10, top 5 ags maybe. It's really good because of its flexibility. I like that when you, when I see Ags and it's like you can you can use them in lots of different scenarios, right? 
it's something I always love talking about with Oracle as a hero design is that your spells have multiple usages, right? You have magic immunity and disarm in one spell, for example. So what this has is it has aggressive and defensive potential. You can save an ally by swallowing them and then throwing them away, or you can use it to chase, which means that any type of fight you get into, this item will be valuable. And there's a lot of eggs where it's like, they need a specific type of fight to be really good. I can't imagine a fight that this item is not good, right? Like no matter what happens in the fight, it is useful. If you mm-hmm. get jumped, you're tankier because you have axe. If any of your allies gets jumped, you can try to save them. If you are initiating, you can be the initiator by throwing an ally or you can be the follow-up by following up to another guy going first and then you can throw an ally in. It just feels like this will be so fucking good to use in so many types of fights. So yep. I'll give it a 10, I think. This is really, wow, really good. We agree. And what do you think of... Both, uh... both three and four snap fires will want to buy this item, I think, because yep, the agree. stats are decent too for snap. So it's, it's, a, it's dope. It's I don't really know if good. we ever talked about this. What do you think of Pudge Ags? So Pudge Ags, for those that don't know, it allows you to eat a, an allied hero, and they can stay in as long as they want, and they gain uh, HP percentage, and your dismember is a lowered cooldown. I believe it's from like 11 to 5 or something like that. But you don't get a new skill. You have to use dismember to eat your allies if you want to save them. Do you like that, yeah. Ags? I don't know. It's like a worse snap axe, right? Kind of. Now when you when in you put it into ways, perspective. It's just a save now. Yeah. It's, it's a save a that save. heals them, but it takes a long time to heal them. It's 4% a second of max health. That takes a long time. If they're damaged, you need to keep them in there for like 10 to 20 seconds. That's fucking long. And all you can do is release them. And you use your ulti. Snapfire gets a separate spell. She doesn't yeah. even use her ulti for this. It's just way better. Yep, I, I agree. I, I will say, though... I have played a lot of Pudge games where it goes into late game. It's a lot of fun with that axe. It's a lot of fun for sure. I can imagine it being fun, but yeah. I'm not sure uh, if it's actually good. But either way, Spirit Breaker, his old axe was it would lower the cooldown of Nether Strike from 60 to 20, and Nether Strike would be AoE. And I know this very specifically because I would buy this in our mod, which I played the night before this patch came out. And it was really cool. I actually liked it. I don't think it was particularly great, especially in like a normal game. Now, mm-hmm. it increases charge of darkness movement speed by 100 and reduces cooldown by 5. Can I give my rating on this first? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a 1. This is the fucking worst ags in the entire fucking game. It's garbage. Go ahead. Horrible. It's, a, it's pretty fucking good. This is probably garbage. the one we're going to disagree on the absolute most. Are you actually think this is good? 100? How? I don't, I don't really care about the move speed. I care about the cooldown. I think you're really underestimating how much this matters. So I can tell you firsthand, I played a game against Zai's Spirit Breaker, okay? Okay. And he, he bought Axe? He went to build. He bought, he bought two Bracers, Boots of Travel, and then Axe. And I'm not saying you need to buy those exact items for it to be good. But what happened was he would charge through us in a fight and charge stuns for 1.8, right? Uh, the greater bash is 1.8 on everybody. And the mm-hmm. single charge target is 2.4. You charge in, you have bulldoze running. You can't get killed, like realistically, unless you play against really specific stuff, you don't get killed. You have bulldoze running, you can start hitting somebody, you can run out of the fight, you reposition whatever you want to do. Then a few seconds later, you can fucking charge again. And your bulldoze is still running. And when you reach level 20, bulldoze has a one second downtime, okay? It has an eight second duration with a nine second cooldown on level 20. 
because of the buff he got in 7.24. This hero level 20 with Aghanims is busted as fuck. It's a stunning machine. It literally just runs through your team. It's a one! Bulldozes, <laughs> resets, and goes again. The thing is, I can't give fuck. this a super high score because I really think it... Like, if we look at the logic with Snapfire, right? With when the axe is good. I don't think this is one of those that is always very good. But honestly, if I'm playing support Spirit Breaker, I want axe now. I hmm. really want this item. All right. I'll, I want I've, to get like... I, have not, I will I say know. I have yet to actually see it. So I'm reserving judgment, even though I Six just or seven. it a one. I, I hate that his ultimate is 60 seconds. It really bothers me. Is it 60? It's yeah, high. On level three. For what it, it's a single target stun. It's high. Yeah. It needs to be. It applies greater bash. It's, it's too high. It deals okay. quite a lot of damage. I am willing to uh, wait. I did not see Zai play it. I could have changed. I could have not looked like an idiot and given it a one if I had seen Zai play. So I will watch his stream. <laughs> Thank you for the recommendations. <laughs> uh, next hero. Um, this is not new, but I did want to talk about Terror Blade. Mm -hmm. Metamorphosis Scepter is now a standalone ability that you gain while in meta. The cooldown is 90. So before, this is a pretty drastic change, because before, if you had Ags, when you popped Metamorphosis, the AoE mm -hmm. Fear that comes from, which is ridiculous range, by the way, would cast when you use Meta, which obviously limits your options. Now it's just a standalone ability, making it a lot better. But is it something you buy? Probably not. How did it work before if you used Meta while in Meta? Did it cast a second wave? Uh, probably I, I if you had refresher and you used metamorphosis during metamorphosis because all i'm thinking now is with this lower cooldown you get full control of when you want the fear but you also are able to refresh it during meta and use it again as a separate ability right where beforehand mm. if you couldn't meta during meta you would only get one fear i, I don't really think it's better than before i still don't think you ever buy this though it's like ugh, stats and boosting your hero is just way too good on terror this is like you one get of this those... from roche yeah, this is like a 70-minute game. You're like, yeah. we need to end it. Give me the Roche Ags, and it's actually super powerful. It's a, I, I don't, I want to say it's like five-second. It's a really long fear and extremely long distance. 3.75, yeah. You can see the wave coming. So if you have a BKB, you can dodge it, but then you're using a BKB just for a fear. Um, I don't know. It's it's an interesting one for sure. And similar thing for yeah. Spectre. Like three. The cooldown has been reduced for her Ags from 70 to 35. Which it's it's a Roche Ags, but that's way mm -hmm. more powerful than before. That's pretty strong uh, yeah. late game. All right, last Ags. Void Spirit got one. Uh, Resonant Pulse, which is his E, is now a charge based ability with two charges, and it now silences enemies for two seconds. So if you use them on top of each other, well, layering correctly, that's a four second silence and double the damage, obviously, of whatever Resonant Pulse gives and double the shield absorb and double the shield one to ten. Ten. this is really fucking good oh interesting it i was gonna give really it good. okay i was gonna give it an eight i think it's strong i wasn't sure if it's well, again good. my criteria is all fucked up now but i'm thinking more about real time if people would actually buy this this is like a this third is, fourth item or something it, it depends what role you're playing uh a lot of the time in games nowadays i would say void spirits aren't necessarily the primary source of damage, especially after the nerf to Bloodthorn, right? The reason this hero was super crazy as a two was that you could build the Orchid that you would want, and then you could build it into Bloodthorn and kill people. And you would buy Crystallis and turn that into the Thorn. Now you can't turn Crystallis into Thorn, 
So you're more likely to play like a utility role in the game where your job is to catch people and control them and then somebody else is carrying. <clears throat> I've tried this item as position three Void Spirit. I felt like a fucking god. I would literally jump mm. into the entire enemy team with Astral Step, silence them for two seconds, do it again, and then I would reset and go out and I could catch someone with Remnant during it. I think it's crazy good and the only real counters to it are like, you know, the classic dispels, Manta, BKB, uh, Lotus Orb. But most of the time, other enemy heroes want to get like any item before those. You generally don't rush Manta or BKB or Lotus Orb as your absolute first item. Mm. So a lot of the time, Void Spirit will have this timing in the game where he has the sounds and the enemy doesn't have the spells. Even if you buy Yules first, you might still get this item after Yules before the enemy gets their counter items on at least three or four of their five heroes. Uh, every game I've seen this, it's been so fucking useful. I think it's really strong. A comboed late yeah. game with you you silence them, and then you stun them with your W, and then you silence again. I mean, the later in the game, the worse this gets. True. To be fair. They have all the items. It's, but it's a timing it's low, item. They're relatively really low cooldown, though, right? So you can mm-hmm. wait for the BKBs, it's, and you're super mobile, so it's not like yep. it's out of reach. It's, it's I have awesome. to say, I was not... Ex- I'm not going to lie. I had low expectations, Cinderin, for Snapfire and Void Spirit Ags. Both are very cool. I like them a lot more than I thought I would. Especially Snapfire. That thing is <laughs> sure hilarious. Would. I okay, think the so Snapfire eggs is... should be actually be nerfed so the projectile fly, flies slower. I think part of the reason it seems so insane in games is that the True. guy you throw flies so fucking fast. You barely you can barely react before you get stunned. Like yeah. it's like a bullet. <laughs> not like a, a flying hero you'd imagine it would fly a bit slower than it does but yeah that's part and we of need it. some vomit coming out of the mm, chameleon's yeah, that's mouth that's the real the real nerf it needs i call it a chameleon what is it it's like a dragon it's a i don't know actually okay know next topic uh by the way, we have another topic that we were going to discuss, but since we're going over, we'll talk about it next episode, Cinder. And so if you right. uh, are on Patreon, you can see it for a full week just sitting in our outline. Um, be like, man, I can't wait for this. <laughs> the episode, uh, or sorry, I was just reading what I have here. This is going to be the title of the episode, by the way. Um, so streamer giveaway garbage is the what the outline says. Have you yeah. been on Twitch and you've seen like Topson, No-Tail, Gork, Bulldog, all these like streamers but they're not actually them and it's just somebody yep. promoting it it's very obvious because you can see it in the thumbnail it says write in chat arcana or prize to get a prize giveaway and then you have actual people they're not people they're bots talking oh thank you so much i got a gift i can't believe it oh you're so <laughs> cool very good to see you today well they don't say that last part that's probably me just trolling the bots but <laughs> <laughs> why are they not banning it's so easy to see tell me instruct me why so here's what's happening so this has been going on for weeks actually yes and i think the original ones that started out doing this i think the first one was fake arteezy i'm pretty sure Mm. um so it's i'm guessing it's one guy or a small group of guys that have these accounts set up and if you are worried about getting hit by this scam keep two things in mind first is the chat interaction in any way organic? Like, does it seem real? <laughs> Second, what is the name of the stream? Is it called Arteezy or is it called Arteezy XXX69 Arcana? Mm-hmm. Check what the stream is called that you're watching. This is the number one best way of protecting yourself is just look at the stream title or the stream name, the streamer name. Is it the real one or not? 
Uh, if you're ever in doubt if it's the real one or not, just Google them. Google their stream and then it will show you the real one. It's not going to show you the fake one. That's very unlikely. Um, so okay. basically, yeah, so we have this like this chat interaction. If you write anything in chat calling it out as a scam, you immediately get banned. So it like flushes oh. out people that call it out. They have moderated chat that cleans out people that call it what it is to try to keep it, you know, clean from their perspective, which is obviously dirty as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they, I think the way they convince people is not only the fact that it says free Archon and people are like likely to get in and they get excited. Oh, I can win something free. That's awesome. That's very, you know, classic bait tactic of any scam is giving stuff for free, which people love, obviously. It's the fact that the way they run the streams is they use recordings of the original streamers. So for example, the Arteezy stream has Arteezy talking and listening to Arteezy music and playing. It's literally a replay of him playing from his own stream that has just been captured and reused by this streamer, which is also against terms of service. Like This whole shit is against terms of service in so many ways, obviously. Mm-hmm. So why don't they just ban them? They do. They ban them all the time. And then these guys make a new account and do it again. And then they make another new account and do it again. And again. And again. And maybe they are IP banning them, but maybe they are dodging IP bans by having, I don't know, different VPN setups or like whatever it is. Uh, Twitch are very clearly trying to do something about it, but I don't think they've managed to find an automated way of killing these streams as soon as they start. Um, I believe this is mainly, if not only, plaguing Dota. So I I don't know. I haven't seen this in any other game categories, these fake streams. They might be there, uh, but I haven't noticed. Just... For your own sake, and if you're worried, just use common sense. It's like your number one tool on the internet for anything. Common sense is really strong uh, in most situations. Well, two things. Number one, I I did talk to a Twitch person. It's in CSGO too, I'm being told. Okay. Uh, Yeah, uh, that's true. I've seen it with uh, Shroud Stream uh, in Mm. CSGO randomly. (laughs) I don't even think it does that anymore. Interesting. But uh, if that's not hint enough, I don't know what is. Doesn't Shroud Stream on Mixer as well? He doesn't oh, even yeah. stream on Twitch. That's right. Like, what the hey, fuck? That's all his Twitch viewers. Oh, there you've been. That's where you've been all this time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Welcome exactly. back, Shroud. Yes, I would love a free scam <laughs> I talked to a Twitch person who will uh, remain anonymous, but they pretty much echoed exactly what you're saying, that they are trying to figure out a way to automate it, which I'm a little surprised it's taking this long. I feel, I feel like it's not that hard to figure out something, but I, again, not in that field, so obviously it is harder than I think. But... It's yeah, a bit very tricky. annoying. So, like off the top of my head, the obvious, the obvious in quotation marks solution would be okay. If there is footage that is identical to that of another stream, and it gets played on this stream, you ban it. But that's a problem because people should be allowed to watch clips from other streamers on their stream. That is completely allowed on Twitch. Like I can watch a clip of of Bulldog doing something on his stream in my stream. And if you automate it that way, then this then it would ban me for watching another streamer's content, which is not against the terms of service. So that solution doesn't work. So what are you down well, to? Are my, you down to number of accounts that can be made within a certain period from an IP? Or are you down to, like, can you VPN lock somehow that you detect that the streamer is streaming through VPN? You can't ban people from streaming from a VPN, right? Like, that's that should be allowed, too. Yeah. So, yeah, like, there's a lot of people. I, I feel like there, there's like that. no obvious solution that comes to mind for me, at least. So, I mean, it's easy to say why haven't they just fixed it? But I mean, give me well, the tell obvious me, solution. Okay, tell me why this isn't a solution. They okay. all, all these streams look exactly the same. It's the exact same layout, the exact same text, basically. Why can't you just automate based on the look of the stream? 
Like in what from way? a human from a human eye standpoint, I can tell looking at this thumbnail. Oh, that's a fake stream. They all look exactly the same. Like I can see in a thumbnail. Why can't you have something automated that can detect that themselves? So you mean like the image, just the text on the screen that says free arcanas, for example? Yeah, it's the same thing. They have this fucking obnoxious text at the very top of the stream. They have a giveaway. Like, I don't know. It feels like, like how many actual streamers have all this shit on their screen doing giveaways? Sometimes, sometimes streamers have giveaway. Ban them. Fuck them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of these streams. I feel I, the God thing damn. about these solutions for me is it's always a slippery slope where it's like it's a bit dangerous because you really don't want to hit innocent people with this, right? Like, if you make a system like that, you want to feel confident that you don't start banning streamers that are just in right, goodwill doing a giveaway. All right, look at it this right? way. Let's say one percent of people that are mm-hmm. banned, which I think is a low amount, but let's just say mm-hmm. one or whatever the one percent of people banned are innocent. Yeah, they they can report it or whatever they can uh what's the word um repeal what's the word? yeah they can repeal it repeal is that right whatever i don't know they can <laughs> Not sure argue actually. against it that's word is, is escaping me appeal yeah they can appeal it and you will obviously know based on looking at these these logs of who's legit and who's not right i would not uh, this might be a shock. Wouldn't that take less would, time to look? I would not implement that? the system if it hit one percent incorrectly. I really? actually wouldn't. I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, I don't think it's worth it. You don't think it's worth it? Twitch is a really big page. There are so many fucking Cinder. streamers and so many giveaways going on. There well, will be just do it people for Dota every day. Counter Strike. Yeah, now you're making like band aid solutions. Then they're going to go to another game and but another game, and then way. eventually you're kind of going to. They don't you know. know. Okay, if Twitch implemented this exact system. The people doing the stream wouldn't even know how they're detecting them. You know what I mean? Right. You think they would change yeah, their I, overlays some way? Like, maybe. Then you can I just go on to the next solution. That, yeah. It, it's like, okay, we're but getting all you, You're going to start is, tweaking it, right? I, I haven't mm-hmm. seen anybody actually complain about this on Reddit, but do people fall for this scam? Yes. Like, are there actual people? If nobody fell for the scam, be. they would have they stopped doing do it. it after a month. Yeah. yeah. There are people falling for it for sure. Okay. There's a lot. There Very are a lot of gullible people. Like it, it's. There's a lot of things about this. If you don't think the extra step, there's a lot of things that are convincing, right? I think the primary reason this is successful for them to some extent is the fact that they're using the real streamer voice and the real streamer content. That mm-hmm. is what is the most convincing. Fuck the text that says "free arcanas" and fuck the fact that like whatever link you go to, I haven't tried it, but I'm assuming it looks relatively legit or whatever. The real eye catcher and the thing that wins people over is that it seems like the real person. That is what is convincing in any way. Aside from the text on the screen. No, the, t- the text isn't convincing, right? Like, it's yeah. like, I, okay. I don't know. Do, do, are you like, oh, it says free arcanas? This is definitely real when you see that. Or are I you see, like, I, okay, it's Arteezy it's playing and talking. Okay, this is definitely real. I think I, okay, it's Arteezy talking. If you're right. not thinking about it, yeah, sure. Right. So I my, again, my going. argument for uh, doing, let, let's just say that what my, my solution is possible, okay? The reason I'm okay mm-hmm. with the 1% being banned is because that's greater than, because they can appeal it and you can easily see that they're legit so they can unban them later. As opposed to right. people getting their money stolen or whatever the fuck is going on through this scam, that's way worse than whatever percentage get banned just for a few days, you know? Because they have a similar looking stream. I don't know. The people that get banned also get their money stolen. Because they can't stream. 
And if they're making money off streaming, then you're basically fucking them over when they did nothing wrong. I mean, that's Instead a case of fucking by the case people basis. over. Yeah, but think of it this way: the people that fall for the scam, the people that fall for the scam, are at fault. It's their own fault they fell for the scam. You could say that the opportunities should never exist, and I obviously agree with that. But you fell for the scam. That is more self-inflicted than you getting banned for doing nothing wrong because other people are scamming. I think that is way worse, personally. That I'm a fan innocent of people the... get punished. I'm a fan Compared of the greater the good. People that fall for the scam get fucked. Well, yeah, but I don't even know if it's the greater good. That's the problem. I don't. The, I think we fundamentally disagree here. I don't know if, if it's If you're a twelve-year-old and you're just a stupid idiot, I was a stupid freaking idiot. But some people would call me a stupid idiot now. <laughs> Very I'm selective wording. If you're a twelve-year-old like, and a stupid idiot, this is what you need no, to be to fall for this. It's more like scam. if you're twelve years old, you're probably a stupid idiot. Okay, that's what I meant to say because I was stupid. Cinderin probably wasn't because he's, you know, ahead of his time or whatever the case may be. He was probably an idiot at eight years old, let's say, but from nine and beyond, he was smart. I was smart. a genius at two. Like, they're taking advantage of idiots. Like, should we be okay with that? Of the idiots, I'm going to I'm gonna stick up for you guys. Okay? I, I'm not. Okay, so my point here is, obviously, we should not be okay with it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do anything, but I think it's worse punishing people that are doing nothing wrong than letting people who fall for scams get affected on their own. The, uh, the optimal solution is that the whole thing is gone, clearly. Like, get it out of here. Don't have any scam streams whatsoever. But I really don't want... Like, I don't have the numbers. I don't know how many people would get affected. I don't know what kind of implementation you would do and how it would screw over other streamers. But I'm not saying this to protect my own ass. I'm not, like, worried that I would get banned or something. That's not. It's not, like, from a biased perspective. It's just the fact that People could just, it's also just like the bookkeeping of all this whole shit, right? Like you're saying, then people need to appeal. Somebody needs to sit there and go through it and get them unbanned. There's resources going there. Uh, and we don't know that. I think the biggest question, Mark, here is we don't know how many people fall for this shit, right? You don't know how big the problem True. is. Like maybe we're making a mountain out of a molehill here. And the number They're of people. They're just doing it for fun. The m- number of people scammed might be ridiculously low, but it's still a source of income for these guys. If it's a profit, they're going to keep running it. Like if they scam one person every month, but the cost of running it is half of what they scam them for. I mean, you know. I mean, the other thing to keep in mind it, right? in terms of finding out what streams legit and what's not. Like, don't these streams have like fifteen thousand bots watching? They have tons of view bots. That also costs. Yeah. So it, I mean, I, I don't know. This is this whole. I mean, again, I we're going to end the conversation here, but. And I understand that I'm not a programmer, so I can't answer these questions. But I am mind boggled that this solution can't be thought of in a time. There has fashion. to there has to be a way of doing it. We don't know it, but I mean, clearly, we want this shit gone. I'm not encouraging or. Cinder obviously loves it. He wants the giveaway. He's gonna go on the street. Get some arcana. So many of these giveaways, I can't wait to win. Uh, I mean, you obviously don't want people to get scammed. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't want the opportunity of abusing people out there. Like, I know you're not plan. ever going to support the, that. The plan but, is to have yeah. this big PSA in this podcast. Get, get it solved and get rid the of it. The plan is to have but this PSA in the podcast, Cinderin, and uh, we pretend that it's fake. But in fact, the giveaways are real. Cinderin just wants to be the one that wins the Arcanas every time. <laughs> I mean, in, I guess something we could say, here. Shannon, is judging from the fact that they aren't gone, it does seem like Twitch has... A shared like or at least a somewhat similar attitude to it as what i do where they don't want to implement something that hits other people because i think they could have do something it. like what you said they definitely could have made some sort of detection right it absolutely would have been possible by now to make some sort of basic detection that would 
uh, shut these streams up. But the cost, they don't feel like it's worth it. I'm guessing. I mean, at least if they're, I, I feel if they're like working you're, on it, they could do that. Not to extend this conversation, I feel like your ideology, the way that you're thinking about it, is based off like, like it, I'm thinking of it. If somebody gets banned, they're gonna get unbanned in a couple days because it's super obvious. Mm-hmm. And chances are they're not even partnered, so they're not going to be losing money anyway. Because if they're mm-hmm. a partner channel, it's even easier. Like if you're a partner channel, you just take that out of the equation. Like you cannot ban partner channels through this method. Like I'm the more I'm thinking about it, the more I do not understand why this is not possible. It it's seems, true. If you limit the partner, that that cuts the numbers down significantly, at least. Even affiliate uh, anyway, streams. Let's move on that and end be, this. Yeah. So, going from that shit fest to the greatest <laughs> news of this century, <laughs> Artifact! Artifact, my boy! Artifact, the card game, the greatest card game of all time, Cinderin. They updated the blog. I'm so excited about just a few lines of text have appeared on playartifact.com. I almost shit myself reading this. I couldn't, I literally thought I was dreaming. So, I believe March 29th, I want to say, of last year was their last post. And they Mm. posted this on March 20th. So, almost a full year. And this is what they said. Under construction. First off, we wanted to say thanks for all of your tweets, emails, and posts. Most of which were from Suns fan, of course. The continued interest in Artifact has been encouraging, and we sincerely appreciate all of the feedback. You might notice some changes soon. We are starting tests on our systems and infrastructure. This shouldn't impact live Artifact. Not that anybody cares because there's 200 people playing. But we wanted to give you a heads up. Expect more news after the launch of Half-Life Alex, which is something we will talk about in a few minutes, which did come out uh, technically yesterday. Artifact, okay. Sandrin. <sighs> serious, serious, serious time here. I genuinely would not be surprised. This wouldn't shock me if Sir Action Slacks was making... 100 fake email accounts <laughs> to mail Valve like encouraging words. Of course. I genuinely think he could do that and would do that. And it would be fucking hilarious. He would do that. <laughs> I would. think when I he when would. I read this, I think they're just want they're just reading the subreddit. The subreddit has become a Maybe. real <laughs> hilarious shit fest. Slax makes fucking smurf accounts on the subreddit, let's be honest. That's true. The whole artifact subreddit is <laughs> So what are your uh, thoughts on this? And then I want to talk briefly about what you think they can change that makes a difference uh, for a right. relaunched artifact. Yeah. So prefacing this, we both played the game and we both liked it. I thought it was a really great game when it came out. I streamed it a bit. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Um, but it died down really fast. And I think the uh, absolutely biggest problem was the economy. Right. That's what really fucked this game, I think. Uh, I think the gameplay was intriguing and interesting. There was a lot of complexity. Uh, a lot of the card designs were really good. Some weren't, but for the most part, the the game was fun and interesting. Um, plenty of casual and very complex strategy to be made with the cards, uh, which I think is great. Like it's good if the game is fun to play at different levels. Um, I guess the the closest card game you could compare it to probably that many people would know would probably be Magic. That's probably the one it comes closest to in terms of like complexity and strategy and stuff. That doesn't mean it plays like Magic. It doesn't, but it's there's like a lot of similarities. And obviously, the guy who helped them design the game was uh, what's his name, Richard Garfield. Richard Garfield, who has now been fired. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, he was uh, he was part of the development team for the strategic part of the game. I think the card design and the not none of the programming stuff, probably. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think the way they, they did the economy, I don't remember if we've talked about this in the podcast ages ago. I'm but sure we have. Part of the biggest downfall of the game was just like the the payment to enter and the payment to play didn't really correspond to the times more than anything, honestly. I just think the pay, the the monetizing model they used doesn't hold up this year. That's not how you monetize games. And fans were angry that they had to, first of all, pay to play the game. And then after they bought the game, they also had to pay extra to pay the modes in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, like play Gauntlet or whatever it was at the time, where... Uh, in other card games, either it's free to play and then you pay for cards, or it's pay to play and then the functionality of the game is free. But Valve doubled down. And I think even if you objectively look at it and it wasn't super expensive or super unfair, let's say that was the case, it's still a super bad look. It looks extremely greedy, even if it isn't. Uh, it, you could argue it is, or you could argue it isn't, whatever you think. But it just it doesn't look good. For people yeah. to have to pay and then pay. And I think that's what really got people angry. It was like, I'm not fucking paying to pay to play after. Right? Uh, nobody wants to do that. I, I don't know. Does any other game really have that that you can think of? Where you buy the game and then you need to pay to play competitive mode after in the game? No. I don't know. Like, there's other games <laughs> where you need to pay for the game and then you can pay for additional loot boxes or additional like whatever. That's tons of games like that. Yeah. But they are optional and purely cosmetic. But the core gameplay to Artifact actually costs to play. And that is really dangerous to do in a game that's not free to play, I think. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It's really so, unfortunate because uh, we both think the game died out from that. Whereas the gameplay was actually fun and well-designed. And right, I have a question a for game. you then. So, uh, well, let me give yeah. my... My impressions are pretty much the same. Because Cinder and I were both mm-hmm. in the beta, the closed beta for a very long time. Yeah. Like nine, like almost a year, it feel, feels like. Um, we played for quite a And long, just to recap again, like obviously I love the game. There were certain things that I didn't like that I personally made clear to the team. Uh, and it's not like I was the only one. A bunch of people were doing that. Certain cards that I thought were super broken, super mm-hmm. broken and just not fun. Gust, uh, yeah, thought Axe was too OP. I can't. Off the, Cheating Death was obviously the worst. Cheating Death was the worst card. Of the and game. people complain like, about this wise. for literally nine, ten months straight. They never changed it. Then obviously the game came out, and we'll talk about the other issues, just like you alluded to. And then they finally nerfed them like a couple weeks later, but it was too late. So mm-hmm. the whole idea of them just being very stubborn about changing these obviously poorly designed cards uh, put uh, it gave extra ammunition to. The people that didn't like artifact because there's a lot but of people I that didn't whose want decision that is I that don't. you don't nerf those cards was it like richard garfield who was just insisting nah man it's fine i mean he got fired immediately <laughs> after fine. and then it got patched so uh <laughs> something tells me it might be richard garfield but regardless Maybe contractually valve were not allowed to redesign <laughs> cards without his consent in the contract and they were like if you're not gonna fucking nerf cheat death <laughs> you're getting fired bitch I mean, that card was <laughs> just unbelievable how and the hilarious oh thing is, it used God. to be better in early in the beta. They did nerf it a bit, oh, but not in the cheating way that we death wanted. Cheating death was absurd. It was good. three mana at a certain point. But anyway, uh, the thing that I I agree, the monetization was the biggest killer, and everything else was kind of like uh, a snowball effect after the fact. But we didn't even get to test the monetization model. We had all the cards for yeah. almost the yep. entire duration until like the week before, and. I can't remember exactly how they did it, but we had no idea what the monetization model was until the game just released, right? They never tested yeah. it. Yep. And that obviously I think that was a big hard. mistake. Um, yeah. 
And it's something they learned from in Underlords, right? Or when they ran the beta session with the battle pass. Uh, I guess you didn't pay for the battle pass in the beta, but they got to see how people interacted with it, used it, leveled it up, what features were good, what features were weak. Mm-hmm. Um, so they at least tested something that was meant to be monetized down the road. And clearly, if you run a beta on a card game like this, I think you have to limit people's access to cards. So you get a realistic impression of how people will interact with the game when they don't have everything. Uh and if you want to run these like gauntlet or draft modes, let people try them. Give people a currency and give them a set amount of it that they can try the things for. And then that's it. Like, don't have them pay in the beta if you want it to be free, right? That's fine. Hmm. Um, but alternatively, they could have launched a beta, uh, a private beta, where you could pay for cards and then keep them into the open beta. But the problem with that is Valve doesn't like playing favorites like that when they had you know, a $1 million tournament lined up. I don't think they wanted to give people the competitive advantage of Still having happening. cards earlier. Still happening. Or something like that. $1 yeah, million. It is happening last year. It's still happening. I mean, this <laughs> year's obviously not real. I mean, Corona and all. This is... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it would have happened. It would have happened for sure, guys. Corona canceled Corona the last year too. artifact. So anything in the game, before we move on to finishing the episode... Anything in the game other than monetization that you would want changed? Because the things that come to mind for me, I'm not sure if I want it changed, but I know it will help people digest the game better, uh, is the arrow system. People hated it. And honestly, at times when I played it, I hated it as well. But other times it's like, it's you understand how it works and it wasn't as yeah. frustrating as other parts of the game maybe. That one might be the number one now that I think about it. Maybe that is the I most didn't. frustrating part. I think the only gameplay aspect I didn't like except from individual card designs was arrows. I think everything else was awesome. The way you attacked, the way you defended, the way a lot of cards worked, the way stats worked, the way you won the game, the win condition of breaking two towers or an ancient. I love the heroes. All of those aspects. I love the heroes. Fucking loved it. It was super good. But the arrows were a bit of a letdown. I would agree with that. That's honestly, from a fundamental standpoint in design of the game, that is the only thing I didn't like. I liked everything else. So another thing that so, people complained yeah. about is the three boards because we're talking about a re- like we don't know how much they've mm-hmm. redone. So I was thinking about this some more. I would prefer them to keep it at three to be perfectly honest because I think it yeah. not only in this market where there's a ton of card games you have to compete with and this makes you stand out a little bit more but yeah. I was thinking about it more. If they made it one board I probably would still like it honestly. I'm sure I still would but Without having seen anything. I, I think, think that was a really big part of the charm was the three boards. I think I that was a huge part of the game. And I would definitely not want to see that go. So let us know in the comments, guys. Uh, this one, I'm hoping that I'm wrong in my assessment that I feel like you're going to shit on this. But would you hate when the game, if the game comes out and it's good enough for us to talk about on a consistent basis, would you hate it if we talked about it? Because I'd rather not just make a brand new podcast just for Artifact. I mean, it doesn't need to be primarily, you know, it's just a little segment. I don't know. Mm. I think most people are just so... I mean, we did segments on Underlords, right? Yeah, but yeah. it would be a little bit more in-depth, I feel like, because I do like Artifact a lot more. But anyway, just food for mm. thought. All right, right, last thing, which we don't really need to even talk about, because uh, I haven't played it, and I know you haven't because you don't have VR, but Half-Life Alex came out today, Cinderin. Mm-hmm. or yesterday and i downloaded it but i have not launched it yet i have not watched any right. streams because i don't want it spoiled i i'm i've told you this before and i said i think i've done this on the podcast where vr has been a bit underwhelming for me like i haven't even 
it's it's just a pain to put it on honestly and you sweat in there i don't know it's just it's not something that i look forward to doing but i will be playing half-life alex the reviews have been very good everyone's yeah, saying it's awesome right the now. best vr game of all time this is how you make a vr title blah 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 like the lowest score i've seen is a nine out of ten um, currently on steam i just i was curious so i checked 96 percent of 4823 user reviews for this game are positive that's good and the stars on steam right now it has a rating of 10 out of 10 based on 5k reviews. are you surprised i thought that there might be a bombardment of uh negativity just because it's vr only that's the only thing i wouldn't have guessed 10 negative. out of 10 at least i would have guessed maybe like eight or nine also even disregarding that fact i just thought maybe some people would feel like okay vr isn't really there yet this doesn't hold up to other half-life games or mm. other games in general uh but yeah the reviews i'm seeing right now are really fucking good so i'm curious to hear what you have to say in a week i'm not gonna buy the uh, the um the index for now at least i'm still a bit hesitant about vr as a technology as something to invest in for now um yeah. but this kind of game for me is super interesting to watch and hear about because i feel like this is the state of the art this is where we are right now. Nobody, in my mind, without even having played it, just knowing how much time, effort, and skill Valve have invested into this, I think this will be the best game of VR ever for now. So uh, if you think it's awesome and it's fucking worth buying and playing, then that will obviously, you know, I'm just super curious so again, to hear to, what you and other people have to say. To but. go over my experience with VR so far, Beat Saber has been like the only game that I'll play. It's really good. Yeah. That looks fun too. Um, but the experience itself still, like you're sweating, it's just uncomfortable. I have to take a shower every time I, <laughs> after using it, which isn't right. ideal because I just want to sit in my chair and play games all day. Uh, and then the closest comparison to Half-Life Alex was, when we talked about this on the podcast, but just in case people missed, Boneworks, uh, right. where I got physically sick on the two times I tried <laughs> playing. I had to get a refund because I just literally couldn't play it. But from my so understanding, the... The way that they've implemented the movement system in Half-Life Alex is different to a point where you're almost like teleporting, which I don't have a problem when you just straight teleport. If you're smoothly moving like a human, mm. that's when it gets fucking, that's when it messes with my mind. So I don't know if, how many options there are, but I know for a fact that you can teleport in Half-Life Alex, which I think I'll be fine with, but we'll see. I'm, right. I wouldn't say I'm super excited, honestly, and I hate to say that because I'm a huge Half-Life fanboy, huge, but I just not sold on vr even though i spent a shit ton of money on it cinderin that's but called I'll let you know pre-ordering anything Jen. <laughs> uh, i waited two i don't months, know about this game actually. but i'll pre-order it it's no, okay this came free with index it came free yeah, yeah no no that's i just mean that's like the pre-order mentality in general oh, you don't really true. know how excited you are but you're just gonna pre-order it you know that's true so next week i'll yeah. talk about my experience whether i love it hate mm. it or somewhere in between very curious to hear what okay. you think that brings this episode to an end. Thanks again for watching and listening. This is a little bit longer just because 7.25 was very uh, action-packed. It was very full of good stuff. Patch. Uh, yeah. Again, thanks to any people that want to contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash we say things. Sindern, have you seen in Bruges? Are you a part of the highest tier of Patreon? No. Thank you. I was actually hoping you'd say no. This is the only time I hoped, just because <laughs> I need to get this up in order to cast in time with you, okay? So right. if you said yes, we would talk the next 20 minutes about the movie. Thanks, guys. Until next time, Suns fan Cinder and signing no. out. God help us. No. We say things that don't mean
But thanks for listening